Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Estoprods.com anime and manga podcast. As always, I'm dead. Show today we have Birdie. Excelsior. And Trey. I'm not dead. If I sound a bit out of it, it's just if I sound out of it, it's just because I'm a bit tired for some fucking reason. I'm the same. This can just be a chill show. Yeah, I, I slept 11 hours last night, and I'm still fucking tired. Yeah, because you overshot. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I slept 14 hours, and I'm still tired. <laughs> Morons. I sl- no, I didn't do it on purpose. My, my alarm just didn't go off, and like I went to bed, and then... Uh, someone came in there and was like, why are you still asleep? And I woke up and I'm like, oh, it's 2.30. I went to bed so, at 4 a.m. and then stayed asleep yeah. until 3.30 p.m. because I don't know why. It just happened. Yeah. <clears throat> I went to bed at midnight. So, having a having a real slow day. Anyway. Anime and manga. Yeah, so let's get into that. So, Trey... How's your Naoki Urasawa right. homework been going? Uh, well, I uh, maybe the reason I slept so much was because I was exhausted from my vacation. Uh, where whenever I wasn't at the beach, I was reading Monster and Twentieth Century Boys. <laughs> and I finished you know, if, you had, if you hadn't said that last part, I would have said that's an oxymoron to be tired from your vacation. But yes. <laughs> Monster and 20th Century Boys. Yeah. Uh, I read through all of it. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I have a lot of emotions. 20th Century Boys is a masterpiece and it made me want to die. <laughs> <laughs> like, monsters, don't get me wrong, monsters are really good and I know Dead thinks monsters better. And well, I, uh, I mean, it's, it's different genres. And oh, different. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the thing. Cause like uh, a, a similar situation I've run into and I've told dead man about this. Um, there's three classic uh, Paul Verhoeven sci-fi movies, but they're very different sci-fi movies. Exactly. And my, you my, can... my three friends all like a different one. My preference is RoboCop. Mine is, uh, caveman. Mine is caveman. Starship Troopers. Yeah, my friend Jimmy's is Starship Troopers, and Caveman's is Total Recall. And this is the same here. Like, Dead Man's favorite Earth. Is, is, is it Monster? Is that your favorite, Dead Man? Or is it 20, or is it one of the other ones? I think I think it is. My, I think Monster is my favorite. Um, it is the one that I spent the most time with. It is my first Urasawa bit. Yeah. Well, it might be my first, but my favorite's Pluto. Uh, and I... I'm gonna get to Pluto soon. It's downloaded on my phone. I'm just. <laughs> it's think, gonna, you, you think 20th Century Boys gave you the feels? Dude. Okay, 20th Century Boys gave me feels for a certain reason. I got feels in Monster. I got feels in 20th Century Boys. My balls need to uh, need some rest before they get smashed in again. Pluto's fucking so, neo noir. That is all feeling. <sighs> so, I guess should I start with Monster? Start with whichever one you want to start with. Okay, so Monster is the one you guys I've talked about before, so I guess I'll start with that. Um, okay, so what are the what is the biggest thing? 
I'm going to start with the question. What's the biggest thing that pop that like when you finished that either of you that like went through your head at the time, like the biggest, what monster, uh, what was the most, yeah. What was the most memorable thing that happened that went through your head when it was over? Well, um, kind of exhausted release. You were just ready that you were just glad it was finally done. And yeah, you were it's like, like I, I've, I've never, it, spoilers for those who haven't read it. Um, I have never uh, before in my life said, oh, thank God, that guy's back in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, okay, what went through my head was just questioning. Obviously, it makes you question it with, like, because, like, the ending of it's just he's there and then he's not there in the hospital bed. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The questioning being, did someone else come in and kill him? Did he leave this thing? That thing? I did. Did Urasawa ever have like a canon answer come out as to whether or not I he... haven't looked? I will look it up now. Because it's like, can uh, fuck, um. Why is my head blanking on his name? This is because fucking awful. Doctor uh, Tenma. Yep, Kenzo oh, Tenma. Tenma. Yeah, I, I, for some re- for some reason, I was like second guessing myself because Tenma is the doctor from from Asher Boy and Pluto. Yep, that's probably intentional. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, Tenma. So the whole lesson here is like you're not responsible for other people's mistakes right and you've got responsibility to hold up and who are you it's like a whole who are you as a person what makes you a good person or a bad person like the whole good and evil thing which is also hit on in 20th century boys like am i does that any of that sound off base uh, i was reading this other thing so i couldn't fully understand that but um so <laughs> the fate of johan at the end of that thing is just unclear there's never been okay. an official response from Urasawa, like people asking about it or anything. And from what I've seen, it's just like, yeah, he's just, he's gone. Implying that he okay. has escaped to do what he will. Okay. Which is murder so people we... and be Thor, maybe. Or not, because he found out everything he was doing was a lie. And we did, I think one of the big themes in that, at the very end of there, of that is again the questioning that went through your head because it's everyone has an unsure ending. Everyone has like nothing doesn't have something definite. Oh well no, I mean Urasawa doesn't like clean endings. Yeah. It's not even that it's unclean, it's that like you don't get he doesn't want you to see, you know, what it, where what Tenma ends up doing. Like it sort of tells you, but it doesn't like you don't get to see him do anything. You don't know where he's going to go with his life. Yeah, there, there is no like animal house ending of it, like of like Tenma went on to become a senator or whatever. Yeah. In fact, in fact, they asked him if he wants to be a doctor at the hospital at like the hospital again, or be or not even a doctor, but like the director. And he said no, and that's about all you get. Yeah. Um. You don't really need much more than that because like. Yeah, all I know. the stuff you need resolved <clears throat> by that story is resolved. 
the story is about stopping Johan and about Tenma coming to terms with what he did and understanding that it's not his fault. Yeah. That he did do the right thing at the time. He did his job. And that, yeah, he, everyone else was just corrupt and wanted to put the blame on somebody else. So, yeah. And then the whole, like, it it was rough. I was, it was rough on my emotions at the end of there. And man, can Urasawa frame a fucking picture that speaks a million words with the whole, like, expanse of uh, the, the, the wasteland and Johan standing there and, t- like, looking at Tenma. Yeah. Like, Johan with a gun standing there. Oh, man. I was, you might say he's a good artist. It's not even. It's not even just good artistry. It's like good, good framing. Yeah, good for good vision. Good, lots of stuff. He's a good. He's a good. He's an amazing artist. But like, it's you way have, more you can than have just, amazing. It's you, way more. It's way more than the quality of his drawings. Yeah, you, you, know can, I mean? you can have. You can be an amazing artist and still have shit composition in your in your fucking shots. Oh yeah, uh, but. God, can I, uh, and then the redemption of like everyone. I mean, some people probably shouldn't be redeemed. I still think some people are complete dirtbags, <laughs> but, but like the, the total turnaround of like every character in that is insane. And, I just want to give a uh, like a verbal round of applause to uh, uh, what's his face, the one that. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Why can't I think of his name? Uh, he died at the end. Uh, Wolfgang Grimmer. Oh, Grimmer's wonderful. <laughs> I just want to give a verbal round of applause to Wolfgang Grimmer because yeah, like, he had no reason. He like he had more reason than anyone to be on Johan's side. The only the only reason he wasn't was like because even though he didn't believe it, he had his morals and had his emotions, which we see at the end. And he is what's sad is like the most fulfilling endings we get for people are the ones where they died in this, you know what I'm trying to say? I don't know. <laughs> I might be thinking too far into it. No, I think it's just, I mean, a, 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 a satisfaction is a matter of um, how you connect to a character and what you think you, the character should get out of a story that they're in. So, yeah. Even death can feel like a satisfying ending if you feel like, from what he, you've read about the character, this is where it should end up. Well, like, yeah, like him bawling his eyes out in that chair yeah. as sort he was dying. Yeah, it's, it, sort of it's, the opposite of... I'm sorry, I was just saying, it's sort of the opposite of SAO, where, like, <laughs> why does anything happen to this character? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but with like Grimmer, all it is, even though he's sad and he's crying because he's sad, he's overcome with grief. You're happy for him because he overcame like the one obstacle that was with him his entire life that ruined his marriage, that ruined his perception of like 
everything. What he thought ruined him as a human being, which, you know, turns out it didn't. Because he probably, like, without him, I don't think anything, like, none of this would have ended the way it did. And I don't know. There's just, there's so much going on in Monster. It, uh, but there's also so many metaphors. There's so many metaphors and so much hidden meaning. It's like impossible to sit here and digest it all. You know, that's the other thing. In a week. That's the, yeah, you read the entirety of Monster in a week. That might be your problem. I read the entirety of Monster in two days. (laughs) Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, And then I read the entirety of 20th Century Boys in a day. Yeah, either of those. Ignoring the emotional weight of those stories, just intellectually, philosophically, narratively, those stories are so dense. Yes. You kind of have to come up for air occasionally, or you will emotionally drown. I felt like I was emotionally drowning. (laughs) I think that's what you did to yourself when you took in two giant intellectual philosophical epics in three days. And, you gotta yeah. face yourself. But I mean, then it's, it's also it's, crazy that one person wrote those. Yeah. Ryan and Drew. Been writing them for, Ryan and Drew for, what, since like the early 90s, feels I, like? I think so. Oh, boy. Because like the, the monster, I think, was one of his earlier works. And that was done before the 90s were out when, uh, because the early, yeah, because the anime. It finished in 99. Yeah, the anime, which covers the whole thing, came out in the early 2000s. So Yeah, which I don't know if... I don't uh, know if like, I'm going to be able to watch it. Yeah, yeah so. now granted, some of his earlier, some of his later works, it feels like he... This won't mean anything to Trey, but he might be Jeff Lemiring it a little bit. A little but, bit. Uh, he still works to get his stuff done, and he doesn't drop anything in any case. Like, so... So Pluto, Billy Bat, Monster. Billy uh, Bat just finished, boys. right? Yeah, B- Billy, Billy Bat, Bat finished last finished. year. Okay. Uh, so 20th Century. I want to. Can anyone explain what happened with 21st Century Boys? Like the gap and what made him uh, throw that at the end? I don't there? really understand that, Dead Man. You'd have to explain that to him. <laughs> uh, it has been a bit of a time since I've read 21st Century Boys. I just, I don't mean what happened in it. I meant the gap between, like, why did they split it up? You don't know? I have no idea. I mean, it's it's such an awkward place, though. Yeah, well, that's happened before. Like, a a manga that I was really enjoying that I just completely dropped because it so completely cut itself at an awkward place for a new series is Tokyo Ghoul. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It has one of the most awkward cut transitions <clears throat> from one series to another I've ever seen. I, and Cora has tried to explain it to me. Well, doesn't it just like undo a lot of what it, it came before? Well, it's not that it undoes it; it's that it it kind of does a soft reboot. Because uh, spoilers for anyone, the main character I know kind of dies, and then yeah. At the end of at the end of this series, just to be immediately someone who looks like him but isn't him, brought back in the in the sequel series, which is it's a similar situation to the relationship uh, the main character of the first series had with the woman who bit him, where yeah. like his memories are flooding this guy. But 
<clears throat> either case, I just instead of Kanaki, it's Bonaki. Yes. Yeah, but just it's it's just the transition. It's, it's such a hard turn transition that I couldn't get back in emotionally. So I when's was like, the it. Boruto crossover? <laughs> God. Um. Anyway, for getting it's a fucking I've, thing. I've, yeah, because I don't care, and neither do you. They have Fair. character creator in the new game. Oh, fucking super! Road to Boruto, you can make your own Naruto OC. It's the end of the times. We have Sonic and Naruto doing that. Dope. His name is Nurato, and he is the fucking amazingest guy. He can do he can do Rasengan's the size of the moon. He's from he's from every village, and he's got heterochromia, Rasen, uh, Sharingan eyes, and Byakugan eyes, you know what, and his dick's you know what like that a foot just long. Like to, you know what that just sounds like to me. That just sounds like there are eighty-two flavors. There are eighty-two different bland chickens. <laughs> and they give you 82 colors that you can pick between to cover those bland chickens to eat. It doesn't matter what color it is. It's the same bland chicken. That's every character creator. <laughs> but Naruto in particular, because Naruto was kind of an, of the three. I, I don't want to get too much. Into yeah, let's this not get into it. We'll yeah, fight. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll fight over boys. Naruto. <laughs> 20th century boys. Now let's get let's get into that because I don't know. I, I can process that better than Monster. I think. Yeah, 20th century. Well, 20th century boys is. It's not as dense. It, it's more of a straightforward it's, story. I feel like it's not as dense because it's longer. Well, it, it's longer. one thing, well, and it's longer, and it takes it. It doesn't pack all the philosophical stuffs stuff into like the last half. Whereas Monster, I feel like, got even more and more dense as it went on. And it was because there's so many revelations that happen all at once. Whereas 20th Century Boys reveals things as it's going. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're just waiting in 20th Century Boys for everyone to, like, connect and share, like, the information. Because you can see all the links. And you're like, just pair them together. Come on, guys. (laughs) And uh, I think it's easier to process that way. Um, now, if we want to talk about Kenji as a character, he is unfit. He is what, or he was as unfit as anyone to be the savior of humanity. Yeah. All the reason he did like, was because his buddies were the ones who wrote the fucking book. Yeah. Like he wasn't ready for anything. Barely and ready to raise just, his fucking niece. All of a sudden he's got it. Like, Within like, I think it was in within like, what three or four months of him finding out about the book and everything, he was it was when the bloody New Year's happened. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he found it out like around like the end of summer. Yeah, it was. It's and then, cr- it was like yeah, a cr- like, the, like crazy the end of summer, thing, and he wasn't ready. Yeah, like the end of summer. Um, like the friend cult began being a real thing, and then. And like a couple of weeks after that. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. It's got to be different because it's got to be like two years, actually. Now that I think about it, because uh, his niece was grown up a little bit. Oh, right. Yeah, that did happen. But like time passed, but, but a very, but a very insignificant amount of time. Like he was not. He didn't. He didn't take. He didn't really do 
too much the first year, though. He just tried to figure out what was happening. Because, like, friend wasn't a huge problem until then. He didn't tie the deaths to friend yet. Yeah, like, friend was just did, a friend was just a looming weird thing. Yeah, and then when he did, that's when shit got real. And then, like, everyone was rushed. Everyone was rushed. His friend, his buddies, like, Kenji's buddies got it even worse because they were just called out of the blue. It's like, hey, bros, we got to go fight a giant nuke robot. You want to you wanna come? Oh, my it's God. Like, Wait, what? Uh, but they say yes, except for one of them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Cause Again, they're... it's been a bit of a time. Yeah, but I'm saying they all say yes, except for one of them, which is amazing, but it shows their dedication. Yeah, and kind of shows Kenji's inherent leadership capabilities. Yeah. Uh, it was... Uh, who was it? The frog dude. He's the one that said no. Oh, that makes sense. The frog-faced guy. Yeah, yeah I, I know he what you're talking no. about. So, uh, okay, Yoshitsune, you deserve a round of applause, too. Because when it gets to the end there and it shows, like, his, uh, like, how he was the one holding up the flag when they were kids. Hmm. And, like, he was always the one that went there and built a new base and everything. And then it, and then you realize, oh, he's been doing that this whole time. Yeah, for these whole for these whole six years that Kenji was missing, or not six years, sixteen years. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a difference there. Sixteen years, and it's oh my god, the characters grow up, and that's one of the best things I've seen. They grow up and they change and evolve, but they stay the same. It like it's really really good when you can make a character older but they're recognizable just by seeing their face, you know? Yeah. Not by saying who they are, but by seeing their face. You're like, oh my God, that's this character. Yeah, totally, dude. And it works real good. Uh, it works real good. And then I don't under, I, I guess Kenji, when he went back into the VR simulation, he was just trying to calm his own mind. Cause he's like, I, I have something I still need to do. And he went in to the VR simulation and stopped friend in the VR simulation. But that didn't have, that didn't do anything to the real world. So I don't understand that unless it was just a, again, for his own sanity or his own like closure. Um, I don't know. I love 20th century boys so much. And I cared about every single one of these characters way more than like your average manga, you know what I mean? Or even your average protagonist. Yeah. And I just, this is an ensemble story. I can't wait to read Billy bat or Pluto because apparent, according to you guys, I'm in for a hell of a ride with Pluto. Yeah. Billy yeah, bat. Um, um, we haven't spent that much time with it. Neither of us, I don't well, think. Billy Bat's, yeah, Billy Bat, from what I've read of it, I haven't read as much. I think Dead Man's read more of it than I have. Yeah, a bit. Billy Bat's trippier. Pluto's not really trippy, it's just... It's straightforward s- neo-noir. Okay, okay. The so it's, it's, believe, it's believable, like... Oh, yeah, no, okay. it's all... I mean, none of these are not believable, it's okay. just that... Well, the idea, the, well, the people, like, the people in the weird... In, in Billy Bat, there are multiple scenes where... 
like hardened murderers or somebody start having hallucinations about a fucking cartoon bat threatening them. Yeah, okay, but that's, that's that's what I meant by Billy Bat getting trippy. Yeah, and like yeah. the and first like th- the first like two chapters of Billy Bat are a different manga. Okay. Um see the reason I'm saying is Monster is probably the most believable of all of these. Like not that it could happen, but like it's there's nothing it's the magic going on there. Yeah, it's the most grounded in real life. Or is Billy Bat really kind of there too? There's no, um, is anything like mystic happening? Uh, the cartoon bat that the main character believes he uh, believes he subconsciously stole from a separate manga company is uh, on the moon, yeah. and it's real. Yeah, it is an ancient. It is apparently like the bat. The bat that he apparently subconsciously drew. There we go. You answered my question. Don't spoil anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets okay. weird. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right, because like 20th Century Boys has ESP and shit. And fortune, te- like guys that tell the future. Yeah, fucking God. God is an MVP, but then you find out he's a real shithole, <laughs> or like a, he's a real fuck. It's all his fault. Yeah, but not all, but like half his fault, I think. Motherfucker should spend more time in the lanes. Oh man. Um. So cool. I'll jump on Pluto or and Billy Bat at some yeah. point. Uh, Pluto is relatively short, so it shouldn't be too difficult. Yeah, and Pluto's if you are if Billy Bat might be a little hard for you to get your head around. It's the most head trippy of Nurasawa's works, and Pluto is relatively straightforward. It's just emotionally draining. Although, yeah. as emotionally draining as it is, one of my fondest memories is the fact that I have a train map of Japan as a uh, book cover for the first volume of Pluto. Cool. Yeah. I, I've got uh, a phone as a book cover. Um, so, uh, other than that, I, uh, I watched a bit of anime, um, for the new season, uh, did like an anime night with some guys and, uh, we watched, uh, I was only there for a little bit, but, we watched Made in Abyss first two episodes and uh, the first episode of that ballroom anime. Welcome to the ballroom. You got <laughs> lots of dance. Yeah. Okay. So, have either of you seen Ballroom? We've, I've read the whole thing. You've read the whole thing. Okay. I hate the first episode. <laughs> okay. I like Ballroom. I hate the first episode. Okay, yeah. Well, that'll, be tr- an interesting, that'll be an interesting comparison to a series Deadman I are going to talk about later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I tried watching the first episode, and I was kind of immediately turned off by the OP. Can I... Eh, it's fine. Can I... I'm going to elaborate on why I don't like it. Okay. It's, okay, the first episode. Let me tell you uh, what I got out of it. Like my, from my understanding, if I was someone who didn't know what ballroom was and didn't appreciate it yet, and I just, and I'm an average anime if you were watching the episode, maybe someone who doesn't watch too much anime, just, just watching this show. Oh, so you're a filthy fucking casual. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Jimmy simple man, uh, has a tough life. Like everyone, he, uh, doesn't make a lot of money like everyone. Uh, 
He's your normal person. I have no reason to care about him. Uh, he goes to a dancing uh, school or he finds like this dancing studio and uh, decides I'm going to try that because I see a pretty girl that can dance. So I'm going to try and sweep her off her feet. Yeah. Uh, that's the, okay. That's the weird thing about um, like, I get where you're going and I know what you're going to say. And the weird thing is everything you're saying put me off the manga initially. Cause I know, I know. Like I said, I just, <laughs> it's, I'm yeah, saying. Also, where was the money he thing finds, coming from? He He's a student. A yeah, he said. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Where's the money thing coming from? Yeah, like, oh, like, he's like, referring the way, to, he, the way you're talking. I'm about referring it, to specifically in the anime. He it, in more than one scene, it makes him go. I don't have a lot of money. Like almost like it's trying to press into your head. That's why I'm saying this is what I got out of the show. Okay, just the way the way you were describing it, it, sound, it. The way you were describing it, it sounded like Jimmy, the character who was who you were fucking immediately looking at in the in the anime. It was like a salary man who's like, oh, man, I want to do stuff, but my job won't pay me enough. No, it's just for some reason it, like, emphasizes that he doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah, okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't make it that far into the first episode. Like I said, I watched it's just, it's just, I watched the opening bit before we got to the OP and then a little bit after that, like, right to the point where he's getting mugged. And I was just like, ah, this looks – this yeah, it's something is like, weird about this. Yeah, and then and it's almost like – they're trying to make you think dancing is going to make him rich or something, but that's not the plot. <laughs> oh no. So I don't know why they emphasize it, because uh, but studios, then he's like, I'm going to, I want to try and sweep her off my feet. So I'm going to watch this video or I'm not going to watch this video that someone gives me, but then I'll watch the video, whatever to move the plot along. <clears throat> and then the, the animation jumps Sakuga stuff. And then you're like, Oh, that's kind of cool dancing. I mean, I can see that. Uh, and then he goes, I want to do that. And he goes to the studio and he practices dancing and he immediately says, I'm going to be, he's immediately wants to be the best dancer and the end of the show. And it's like, (laughs) I I don't, I don't care about him. I don't care to move forward in the anime. I don't care what to give me a reason to connect to this guy. All I know is he wants a pretty girl and he wants to, and he wants to dance because he watched one video. Like yeah, it sounds kind of shitty. I'm just yeah, I'm just saying it's a bad first episode, and even if that's how the way it started in the manga, you can rewrite stuff. A good adaptation doesn't go yeah, straight no. from the manga. No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. And sometimes a series really needs to learn that there are shortcomings to the initial series that need to be fixed. Hi, Sao. Uh, but. <laughs> I, but I see people like touting this as like the best, as like an amazing first episode. This manga is yeah, awesome. Well, and I'm okay, like, um, people, I'm like, people, you're chasing for another Yuri on Ice. Yeah. Okay. Well, for one thing, I I, I kind of hate Yuri. On yeah, Ice but but I want to but I want to give but like when you think about it, you've watched the first episode at least, right? Yeah. Okay. How you get so much more character through that first episode so much more reason to care about the main character because he has a family that you get to know he you get to know that oh he's actually a failure he's tried this before and he failed he's you know he loves or he idolizes this one uh ice skater but he's afraid because he doesn't have confidence in himself you get all of this you don't really get anything any personality out of this guy except for he's the most generic anime protagonist you've ever seen yeah. from the first episode. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. And 
it kind of reminds me of, um, okay, as an example, this is something I've, I've realized about myself, and it's kind of a problem I think some series also have. When you have a series with a built-in fan base, and the first chapter, uh, first episode of a series perfectly mimics the beginning of a manga, everyone was like, oh my god, this is going to be great, totally five of five stars, because... At that point, the people don't see that there are maybe flaws with the initial setup from the manga. And like, yeah. I had this problem with um, now, for example, Shokigeki no Soma is not a good anime. Uh, I, I enjoy the manga. I and, know. I understand uh, that. But the anime first episode is note for note the first chapter. Yep. And when Sorry. I initially reviewed it, I gave it five stars, and I did not think about. Wow, all this stuff really doesn't work the way they set it up. So. No, it no, not as like a draw for someone who's never read it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, but here's here's so here's a weird thing. Like you guys talk about this, and I really enjoyed that first chapter of the fucking manga. Like like him like him like setting up the setting up that guy's character, setting up his introduction to the world of dance and stuff. I read that first chapter. Like I've read that first chapter like twice now. You, like, you know why? You know why it's better because you can read it fast because you're not spending an entire thirty minutes. Like getting nothing. Oh, and I, like, I, like I said, I read that. So I read that first chapter twice. I read it like relatively the same speed. I wasn't like fucking rushing through. Like, right, I want to get through. Want to get through this to good stuff. Like, I read that and I was like, okay, yes, I understand this kid. I understand what he's fucking doing. And like him getting into the world dance, I enjoyed reading that. Yeah, but like it, it I also understand what he's saying because unlike the rest <clears throat> of the series, the Excuse first me. chapter feels like a whole bunch of clunky shonen series setups. Yeah. Like I can actually look and at different panels and say these are the beats of a shonen series setup, even though this is more of a seinen than a shonen the way it yeah. ends up playing out. But and I and I understand that it's good. I'm fine with it. I like it because I know. I appreciated it. It's just like I, I've seen the other stuff from the other episodes. I've seen and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like that. I li- I've heard about like where it goes. I'm like, cool. But all, my, all I was referring to wasn't the manga. Was simply that episode of the anime. It really, if I didn't know any better, I would have dropped right there. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yes. You know, I, I get where you're coming uh, from. Uh, but it is not a very good first that's episode. Gonna se- that's going to segue me into Made in Abyss, where. Uh, okay, we're talking just, about adaptations. Just for, just for clarification, are you saying made in abyss made, or made in M-A-D-E-I-N, abyss? Okay. Uh, have either of you heard or seen anything? I've about heard that? of it. It looked too moe for me. And it's I think, not that And I think all. by the fact that I said, hey, is it M-A-D-E or M-A-I-D? It probably tells you that I haven't yes. heard of it. Okay. Um... Let me just. This show. I'm looking up shit about it. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. It is. Why did you have to say that? It is magnificent. I'm recommending you the anime right now, not the manga. <laughs> okay. So first, I'll, I will explain why. So, uh, let's see. This manga author, uh, 
has a specific way of writing things uh, and placing things in the story that makes it super kind of, it's not paced super well in the manga, but this adaptation reorganizes it and makes it and like gets to certain story beats faster and then lets certain story beats last uh, to where it feels awesome. Like this, the first episode condenses so much yet leaves so much room to where it's not going to rush through. This is only 12 episodes. The manga only has 46 chapters. Okay. And just fun, Um, fun, interesting little tidbit here. The director of this manga, the director of this anime, Masayuki Kojima was also the director of the master Keaton and the monster anime series. There you go. (laughs) That is Um, a weird connection. I would like dead man. I would like you to Google screenshots for this and tell me what you see. Uh, because this, it is beautiful. It is amazingly drawn framed. There's like so many backgrounds in use. It's not reusing a bunch of stuff, but like different angles have different backgrounds in the same shot of like, but, and I say that and it sounds simple. Like you're like, of course it does, but, they're hyper detailed and look like they look movie quality. Yeah. These backgrounds do look real fucking impressive. Yeah. And then the, and the animation isn't detracted from that. It feet in the show gives you like a sense of like raw adventure, but not of like, ex, but not just like exciting, you know, hardcore adventure types of it's like, like hopeful, like they're setting out like, uh, what I'm trying to say, like when you start an RPG and you get and you like you first leave that main town, like the first time you ever start an RPG, and you're like, "This is fun! I can't wait!" You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I thought you said this wasn't Moe. It it looks kind of Moe. Okay, it looks kind of Moe. Yeah, it looks not. Look, yeah, it looks it's like- not okay. There, let me just let me let me give you specifically. Uh, someone put it a good way recently when another person talked about it manga readers are scared about how much this anime is going to be able to adapt when in the second season because it gets real fucking brutal and real fucking dark and i just got to the point where it gets real brutal and real dark and now i'm worried about what they're going to be able to adapt for television broadcast yeah i just i just want to say um like on the art it looks like the kind of art that Monica Magica was trying to like deconstruct. Yeah. And also with the background uh, stuff, it's, it's kind I, of, I rec- I'm not going to recommend three episodes for this. I'm going to recommend one episode. Oh, confident. Are we? Yes. I'm going to recommend one episode. Okay. And another thing that I'm noticing, at least in screenshots, um, it is a, it's kind of a weird issue that I sometimes have where the backgrounds are so good that the characters can't help but look out of place in them. Uh, I don't ever find that issue when I'm watching it. Like, look, look at some of this. Like, the backgrounds are like these really fucking uh, hey, awesomely well-painted, like, fucking awesome-looking shit. Can, and the characters are well-animated anime characters. Let me, okay. here's This is the same thing that happened with the new Pokemon season. In ter- like, with screenshots don't look great 
screenshots don't show what it actually looks like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it looks way better when animated. You want to say look up screenshots? Yeah, I did say look up screenshots just because you can see the backgrounds and stuff, which look fine uh, in screenshots. But like, you should you should really see the animation again. I'm only recommending an episode. Uh, the problem being, uh, it is on Anime Strike, so uh. it's it's Amazon streaming service. So anyone looking to view it legally is going to have to find it there. Oh no! However, will I see it? Yeah, I mean, um, not that. I- well, it's, it's it's also it's also especially shitty because being in Canada, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I that I can't say too much. I can I guess I can give the synopsis unless Dead Man, do you want to read the MAL synopsis? Okay, uh, you might do it. But, better justice or it might come across better if you read it yourself. Alrighty then. The enormous caves, the enormous cave system known as the abyss is the only unexplored place in the world. No one knows how deep down this Titanic pit goes inhabited by strange and wondrous creatures and full of mysterious ancient relics whose purpose are unknown to modern man. Generations of bold adventurers have been drawn to the cryptic depths of the abyss. In course of time, those bold enough to explore the dangerous pit came to be known as Cave Raiders. In Osu, the town at the edge of the abyss, there lives a little orphan named Rico, who dreams of becoming as as great a Cave Raider as her mother was, and solving the great mystery of the pit. One day, while exploring the murky depths, she stumbles upon a little boy, who turns out to be a robot. I don't know why it ends there, but... uh... (laughs) I feel like there might be more because there's an ellipsis. It's just, there's no like, Hey, it's not. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, it's weird. He turns out to be a robot, uh, which they, which we don't really know what these relics are doing, but basically these kids want to be cave. It want to be Raiders to, uh, in the abyss because they're orphans. They live in an orphanage on the t- edge of the abyss. Their parents were Raiders who died in the abyss. And this orphanage, instead of it, it it's free as long as they train these children to become raiders and bring back relics to like to the orphanage who they, who then sells it on the black market or to the government or whatever. We don't know what these are. We don't know why people want them. They want them because they don't know what they are. It's set up very mysteriously as if there's some ulterior motive. It's almost like an evil orphanage, but it's not really evil. Um, uh, these let's see. Uh, but anyway, they, she finds this robot. He's beat up about to get eaten by a thing. She saves him, finds out he's a relic. Uh, and she and him go down to the abyss one to find out where he came from. And two, uh, because she received a message from her mom, who was the greatest cave raider there in that town, uh, who is at the bottom of the, of the abyss. Oh my god! But you're not. But you're not able to. The thing is, once you get to the bottom, the bottom of the abyss, you lose your humanity and die. <laughs> so how the fuck did she get that message up there? Also, how does losing your humanity make you die? Uh, no, they lose their humanity, as in like they're not a human anymore, and then they die. So what they head down is like, oh my god, I'm a rabbit now. Uh. 
I just bumped the mic. Sorry about that. Not, not really. More like they head down and, oh my God, I'm a mass of flesh with no consciousness anymore. Okay, that makes a bit more sense. If you said they turned into fucking pudding, I would be less fucking snippy about this. Uh, it, spe- it specifies they lose their humanity uh, in like the in like the explorer manuals that the children have at the school. It doesn't go into the gritty details. They really but, like, should the because I feel because I feel like they, go, all, all there needs to like, be all there needs to be is one asshole kid who's just like, hey, if you, how does losing your humanity make you die? And then they have to explain. Well, well you see, well, when I say humanity, I mean your form as a human. <laughs> Uh, I think it might be different in Japanese. It might be a more literal term. Yeah. You lose your human body, become a pile of goop and then just die. Uh, it's not always a pile of goop, but, um, sometimes it's a pile of fancy goop, (laughs) but like the further down you go, there's this curse of the abyss that, uh, basically takes its toll on you and keeps, it makes it harder and harder to return back to the surface. And, one of the like get to layer layer three uh and you start bleeding out of every orifice in your body um okay yeah it's i wouldn't call it moe you know what i mean no it still is the further it 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 it, it, the fact that you can Monica Magica has proven that you can still do moe shit okay well i think moe i don't think of just art style you know what I mean? Okay. Because there's like I, Moe attitude. Like I would call uh, like Kaon is Moe, even if you change the art style. Okay. So you're, you're not referring so much to Moe as in, cause like when I think of Moe, I think of art style. What you're thinking about is like narrative genre, which I would call yes. more like slice of life. Type but stuff. like you can have serious like slice of life. Fans. That's the thing is you can have serious slice of life, like Bakuman. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You can. But even Bakemon, while serious, is still still Don't comedy. Say it's Moe. Oh, no, it's not okay. Moe. No, dude, fucking uh, Shujin, also, super Moe. Moe also, I think, is has tend, okay for the most part, with one or two exceptions. It tends to stay away from stuff that's more sexualized, except for like the occasional dirty joke. But yeah. I think that we're kind of well, no, when away. I think Moe is just cute narrative, cute girls doing cute things is basically the yeah. No, <laughs> but high, anyway, uh, uh, I would recommend I would recommend one episode in of Maiden Abyss to anyone who's uh, who is unsure about it, or to anyone who's not unsure about it. Uh, at least uh, one. Okay, I mean. I did. I did my I, homework. I read all of Monster and Twentieth Century Boys. Yeah, well, I'll I'll watch it if I can. But here's the thing: you, it's never a good idea to start with. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it always I, that always has expectations. It, it, you I, I understand of, that. I understand that. Uh, it's I do that hyperbole a lot. <laughs> so uh, take it as you will. It's, so I guess going forward, we know that anytime Trace says it was the greatest thing I've ever seen, it's like, oh, that's, that's all right. It means it's a 10 out of 10 in my book. And if he just comes, okay, on, so, the, and if he just comes on to the show, we just like hear those weird spurting sounds as he's just, as he's just orgasming into the microphone. We know, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. But like, it's one of the things. It's one of the things. It's one of the things. No, I love SAO. 
not not in a serious way, but I love it. You know what I mean? So, um, you love to laugh at it. Yeah, but I've watched both seasons three times. Well then, coming yeah, soon. God. <laughs> What'd you say? Well then, coming soon. Uh, <laughs> no, I said Death Gun. Death Gun. Death my gun, gun oh, that man. shoots my, death. My friend's Discord name is Death Pun. <laughs> um, I, I, I can appreciate that. Yep, yep. We, <laughs> we, yep, we kind of have to. I feel like it's... That's really good. So, that's really good. Yeah, it's real good. Uh, so... Yeah, take that as you will. It's it's just one of the shows that I would throw on the table and say, watch this. You have to watch this. I I gave a little because you guys were kind of on edge. I had to give away a little more than I would have wanted to, but it's all information you find out relatively early. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's more of just the synopsis and stuff. So. Anyway, that's uh, that's all I've got to talk about. All right, then. Birdie. All right. Well, the series, the only series I have to talk about, I can't recommend only one episode because this is another one of those series where if you go by the first episode, you would think this is an utter pile of shit. <laughs> so uh. let's talk about Stanley Presents The Reflection. Yeah. <laughs> Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> all right true believers okay from what before i heard I, it's not great before i before i say anything else stan i've always i've never thought i would have a chance to say stan lee is the bad guy <laughs> so somewhere in his grave steve ditko is just rolling for joy saying yes finally <laughs> oh god this art looks like shit <laughs> You know, you see, unlike um, what you're describing, where you with uh, Made in Abyss, where you can see like intricate details and map paintings and type stuff, where you can get good screenshots, the art in the reflection only works in motion. I'm I'm watching. I'm literally <laughs> yeah, watching. It is a. The the, tra- the reflection, I'm watching the trailer right now. This looks like shit. The reflection has a very distinctive art style to it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's somewhere. It, it feel it, it uh, speaking of stuff with questionable art styles that Dead Man likes, it, it's giving me flashbacks to Ninja Slayer. <laughs> yeah, oh, this come is, on. Okay, no, see, the thing is, this is like, this looks like a fucking college student's, like, final project in their first year of animation. Um, to me, this looks awful. I don't think it looks awful. But, I mean, I, I'll agree the art is not what I'm drawn to. Maybe stylistically I'm more drawn to it, but it, the the problems with the art do kind of stand out. Like, there's a scene in episode two where there's a dramatic zoom in on a black blur on a camera feed. Like, oh my god. <gasps> a black blur. Dun, dun, dun. This means something. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Uh, this I don't, I'm sorry. This reminds me too much of like Kernexia and the Eight Seals. This I don't is, know what that is. Uh, good. It's a it's a YouTube uh, anime. Uh, the first YouTube anime that was crowdfunded. Okay. Um, well, it's I, fucking this, this, bad, and it's like it's something about 
the way that these things are cut out, they were in. Oh God, no! Oh no! I just paused it at the wrong time in this PV. <laughs> I can see where they cut around the picture and put it on top of the background. <laughs> it like in a single frame in an animation and it goes away and then it's there again. Oh, that's bad. You want to talk bad, dude? I'm fucking looking at Cronexia and the eight seals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This looks like that. Oh my God. Um, This is, this is ludicrous. You know how much money was spent on that? How much? Uh, Let me get the final total real quick. Because there were a lot of values bumping around. Uh-huh. Uh. Uh, I, I know, I know, I do, I do my best to try to not just like have us reacting to visual things on this audio-only podcast. Uh, <clears throat> this okay. So, over the course of two years, at three thousand dollars a month on Patreon. Oh my God. So twenty four times three thousand. Does seventy two? Uh, plus plus thirty thousand of his own money. So a hundred grand. Yep, a hundred grand spent on that. And I thought Digimon yeah. looked ghetto. <clears throat> so. <clears throat> anyway, that's what that's what the reflections PV is reminding me of. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna use some fucking Connexia yeah. shit for a fucking feature image for this goddamn post, so somebody could see that. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, it's just like I said. I'm not. I what I'm drawn to is not art specifically, but style. But the problems with it is that it so wants to sell the style that the first episode answers almost none of the basic questions of storytelling. Yeah. Oh, I think one of the main problems here is that, you know, most anime move it like, uh, like seven to 12 frames a second while the camera moves at a full 27 frames a second. None this of those numbers no sound right. Movement. It, it, it's, it is right. Trust me. It's 20, uh, it's 27.97 frames a second on the camera. 12 frames, it's seven to 12 frames a second of animation. The camera moves way more than the animation does, uh, except in Sakuga moments. But this has no camera movement. It's all still shots with the, with like the seven frames a second. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, all that sounds like it's a, it would be a problem if it didn't feel like it was deliberately built into the animation style. Like even in the fight scenes, they seem deliberately slow and chuggy. And I'm not sure if over cranking the fight scenes would be a good thing or not, because you literally have a guy with an X on his face fighting Hydro Man with a death face. No, please. It's it's, it's Cyclops fighting the aquatic skull. And then and then uh, a a, as far as I can tell, described as nothing but Russian ninja shows up who's on fire. Yeah, it's the and dumbest it fucking thing. This, like this fire person shows up, then the fire leaves his face, and then he burns a hole through the fucking. That's is it Psycho Mantis? 
Okay, she no no kind of yeah. So she, she like so she like burns a hole <laughs> through the fucking ground through this city street made of fucking concrete and all these pipes and just fucking just like slowly descends through this fucking hole. Okay. Yeah. No. It's like it stylistically, I like a lot of what's going on. It's just that the seer the. The series tells you almost nothing of what's happening until the second episode. The worst? The entire first... Okay, so here's the thing. The first two minutes are four people, we have no idea who they are, talking and saying something's happening in America. Yeah, we don't get to to see what's happening until later. And then a mostly silent fight scene plays out for 12 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yep, yep. And that, Wait, and that fight what? scene, and that fight scene is largely fucking nonsensical because, like, so this this is the fight between, I guess, I guy and the Batten Frog. Yeah, I think I know really what happened. Stupid, I think that was the name. and so I think that was the pitch video they made to Stan Lee, and he said, "Yeah, let's make that." And so, like, and so, like, as they're flying through the city, you know, fighting and stuff, all the buildings begin to fucking deteriorate, revealing sky, which I don't know why Wait. they're doing that. Which I figured out what that was from the third episode, which is the problem. Because the problem with that is what you're actually seeing is a bunch of like holographic projected screens that they're flying through and are being disrupted. But that's not clear until the third fucking episode. Yeah, and so, and so then they get to Times Square, and Times Square, every single monitor in Times Square is nothing but American flags. Yeah, which I also you learn in the third episode was deliberately set up by his by I guys uh promotion team to help sell him as a character. So yeah, it's, he okay. then he then then all of a sudden this fucking song starts fucking playing and every monitor yeah. ex- and every monitor except every ninth billboard turns into a fucking planetscape like this fucking space shot. So what like, you're saying is it's a bad director. Probably I don't I don't know if like I don't know if you can direct these story decisions I, well. I was no what I'm saying is what I'm saying is you can. If you could have directed that city thing in a way that makes you question it and think, "Oh, that's a mystery. What's going on there?" Instead of say instead of like saying, well, "Oh see, god, that's bad." Okay. There's a difference the between okay, okay, well, um Crap! What I I'm curious what you think is the dumbest part because there's just so many. So the dumbest uh, part for me Okay. Is when so so the most part for me is like so in the middle of the fight, um, I guy's getting his fucking ass kicked, and then all of a sudden, every building is all of a sudden covered in images of just people, repeated images of the same people over and over again. That and apparently each image is tied to an individual person's audio track. Yeah, I and, saw that. That and, was and, also weird. And it's every person just cheering like Sky Show, Sky Show. I'm like, oh, that's his name. Okay. And he begins, he begins fighting and stuff, and all, all is happening. And then the Batman, he throws up these weird ear things that come off of his eyes. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, this did and bug the, me, because this whole thing is, uh, he's, a, he's a giant flying bat with, like, he has his own hypersonic scream. But Eye Guy shoots some kind of, like, eye cover off of his eyes so that his own hypersonic scream blinds himself and he falls out of the sky. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? That's not the dumb part I'm talking about. Okay. This will probably be dumb only to me. All right. So, yeah, so as he's doing that that scream, the people, like, their phones begin cracking, like, the screens begin cracking and stuff, and everybody's like, oh, God, my ears. 
and then all of the images that are being that are being like shown on these buildings, they begin turning off panel by panel. But it's not showing like, oh yeah, these fucking images are cracking or whatever, and it's just showing, oh, these monitors are turning off because that's the sound they use. They don't use, oh, this thing broke. It's like it's like the fucking that sound that you get when you turn a TV off, but like an old TV. And it's just doing this one after one after one after one after another after another after another until and like as they're doing this, less and less people are chanting Sky Show until you get to the final monitor behind the guy that is just that is that is a little fucking Japanese girl just going Sky Show Sky Show while the images of like a thirty-five year old man. Yeah. Then then no, uh, I then, then I guy like fucking boosts up his fucking green shit or whatever and shoots his fuck and shoots the fucking bat's luchador mask off which then makes him fucking be hit by his own scream which was coming from the mask i think no it wasn't coming from the mask it was coming from the this is this was also weird to me because it uh, i guess he works like an actual bat with like echolocation when he's flying and he has some sort of like covers to filter out unnecessary noise over his sound hearing eyes Wait, you know, bats. sound hearing eyes. You know, bats. But you know, bats. They they, they, they use echolocation. Their yeah. eyes don't work like eyes. Don't be stupid. I don't matter. Like the way they, they, they the way they project this. Yeah, the way they project this, it makes it look like when he hears his own hypersonic shriek without these blinders, it affects his eyes somehow. He covers his eyes and he falls out of the sky. It looks like he blinded himself, which is really but weird the, because whenever we see him flying, he only beats his wings like once every fifteen seconds. Yeah, because he has well, rocket mean, boots. But that, but that kind of thing is the animation problem. Because there were points where I guy was supposed to actually be hovering, and he's just standing there because they couldn't bother to animate him popping up and down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the new Ben Ten episode, uh, like show. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they've got bad stuff there. Yeah, but okay. There's a number of dumb storytelling decisions to me. Like the fact that all these people, all these characters show up and they all talk like they know who each other are. And you're wondering how all these events are going on until you get to the beginning of the first episode where the first episode, the, the beginning of the second episode explains everything that was set up at the be- that was not set up at the beginning of the first episode. So you see this, the beginning of the second episode initiates everything that leads to the fight that is the majority of the first episode. God, it's like the saga so of Tanya like, the Evil. I'm at the same level of, why would you do that first? Because, like, it, and what you were saying, uh, Trey, about uh, a good director can build mystery even if you don't know what's going on, <clears throat> you have to know a little of what's going on to ask questions. If you have no idea what's going on, then you're just going to throw up your hand and say, well, fuck, tell me something. Yeah, like even like even when they kind of like talked about even when they talked about like the reflection and what actually happened, they don't explain dick about it, and it's just like, oh yeah, this happened, and then people died, maybe. Yeah, and okay, so here's another thing. Um, so do you only watch the first episode, Dead Man? Yep, you only said watch the first. Yeah, that that's all I really needed, just so you could get the sense of why I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, one of those four girls that was just in Japan randomly. Um, she turned into the redhead with the teleporting powers. Wait, what? Yeah. On the same day? 
with a couple of hours later because the what they what the first episode does not make clear is that what the reflected are is like mutants as a result of some kind of chemical or radiation weapon attack on New York that radiated out and covered the entire planet. So how does that Japanese girl go from the middle of Japan to a couple hours later being a apparently established She's a teleporter. journalist? Okay, well that okay, that's another thing that's not made clear. Um that bit you saw of the four high school school girls before she becomes a redheaded t- uh, t- um, reporter in New York—that's four years difference. Okay, I was going to say <laughs> that's another thing they don't make perfectly clear. That could have been well better directed. Yeah, like like, like, how, like how they said no, it. Up. It's okay again, Trey. It's not a matter of directed. It's a matter of this 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 first episode deliberately does not explain anything. Yeah, like like, like the first episode when, when the shit's happening in Japan, it is like fucking Memorial Day, Tokyo at like eleven whatever p.m. and then it cuts over to America where it is fucking Memorial Day ten whatever a.m. Yeah. And they I just think, don't say three years later. <laughs> yeah, they mention nothing of years. They mention location and the time of day. Yeah. And like these, there's like two or three different long fights going on in the like 12 or 13 minute fight scene I mentioned. And you have no idea that this was all actually the result of two groups intersecting intentionally. It just seems like a whole bunch of random shit happening at once. Yeah, just and, like, boop, there we go. Cyclops is fighting the fucking aquatic skull, then the Russian ninja shows up, and then somebody's like, hey, yeah, fucking freelancer dickbags. I'm like, wait, what? Who the fuck are you? Yeah, or like, as another example, um, during the fight scene, uh, X-Face Batman, his arm suddenly grows like muscle mass, for no apparent reason to punch someone, you're like, where the hell did that come from? Because the only thing you can kind of get from the first episode is that X's power is kind of like Rogue's, just without the energy drain. It's just he copies other mutant powers, basically. Yeah, like, so, like when he's you, fighting the aquatic skull, the skull, like, he makes this weird, like, water drill and shoves it into his shoulder. Then Cyclops, he makes that same water drill and cuts off that guy's arm. And then another dude, like, has a bunch of weird hermit purple tentacles come out of him. And then, Yeah, and after he... He touches them, and then he can make his own. And at some point during this fight, he literally grows the muscle mass in his shoulder and arms to to punch. And you have no idea where the hell he learned that, because they don't show the fight scene where he took that power from another one of the mutants until the second episode. Because, like, this this is my problem with the first episode, and I can see why a lot of people were like, this is really fucking stupid. They... Do they think the fight itself is what will sell it? Not knowing who these people are, where they are, and why this is happening. Yeah, it's not you a matter have... of direction; it's a matter of story structure. Yeah, like I mean, okay. Uh, for example, uh, the first John Wick is a reasonably well directed action movie. I would say. Yeah, yeah, it's really. I, think most I, I think it's really favorite. well directed. Yeah, but. Um, so you get to the scene where, um, uh, uh, crap, uh, Vigo is telling his idiot son, you t- stole his car and killed his dog, but you don't show someone kill the dog until the end of the movie. That's this level of what the, when did that happen? What is going on? Why did, are we talking about this? If you don't establish characters, setting, and plot ahead of time, Fight scenes mean nothing. You might as well just be playing Street Fighter. Yeah. 
And even Street Fighter tried to establish its characters before you fought them in a match, which is a statement of how bad a plot structure is when you can say a Street Fighter game had better plots set up. Ugh. But after that, it, it calms down, it tells its actual story, not just its fight scenes, and I kind of like it a little bit. Yeah, the art's still a problem. It's I can't tell what they're doing with X-Face Cyclops, because they're playing him like he's somewhere in between Spider-Man and Batman, because he keeps... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Does he like, does he like crack jokes and disappear into the night to brood? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, um... It's like, hey, uh, Aquatic red- Skull, you see, him a bit, you see him a bit down the dumps. You fucking know what he changed your water this week? And then just you just see him on the fucking roof just like, I am the night. On the roof going, I am the night. My parents died. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does... Rever- <laughs> well, for one thing, he does the reverse Batman thing when... Uh, so he, he follows the red-haired girl back to her place... Because he notices that she was taking pictures of him and finds all this evidence. It's like, and he at first thinks she's an enemy agent trying to collect intel on him. Until and so he does this whole in, it's intimidating interrogation thing until he figures out, okay, no, you're not Wraith. To which his response is, okay, I thought you were an evil agent, but still, I can't have you stalking me. How about you stalk my mortal enemy? <laughs> and then he just jumps out the window and, and swings away, and she's uh, like. What the hell am I? I don't. I don't know Wraith. Who the hell is Wraith? What am I supposed to look for? And then she has a little eureka moment. It's like, wait, maybe if Wraith was also a reflected, then maybe that Wraith was also at that weird event in New York today. So she starts going through security camera footage and stops on this black image. And as she's looking at this, the the image pans over, and he's just sitting there next to her. Ah. <laughs> uh. So that's good that's, show. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that, but like, okay, I kind, uh, despite the stupid name, I kind of like what they're doing with Eye Guy because Jesus, he, <laughs> why not just go with Sky Show? I yeah, because that makes I don't make I, because I I feel like the Eye Guy is a stupid joke on who this character is obviously a ripoff of. Is it too like? <laughs> Like was Sky Show too close to the other character he's an obvious ripoff of? I don't know, but because so Scott, I don't know his. I can't remember. I think his first name is Ian. Uh, but um, <laughs> fucking jackass. I I guys for a uh, whole backstory is that he is the super rich um, headliner of a one hit wonder band who has been living drunkenly off his royalties since the nineteen eighties. And he was mutated during the reflected event to give him enhanced uh, neural capacitors and endurance so that he can actually fly around in this suit. Was his band the one that made Sky Show? Yes. Okay. And his whole thing, and it's sort of like the opposite of Iron Man, where Iron Man's whole thing is... I, he's he's not trying to be he's showboating, but he says his goal is not to be a showboat. I guy's stated goal is to showboat. He yeah, deliberately I that. says that. <laughs> like, and like, I kind of like that as a plot point where he's whole he, he like it, to the point where he he does like photo bombs of like I Heart L.A. and has like his own red carpet down the street that follows that he has layout for him for a few blocks when he's taking pictures for the press, like. 
as a deliberately flawed character whose whole thing is I am willing to risk my life to be back in the spotlight since I was a one-hit wonder in the 80s, I kind of like that as a character trait. Yeah, man, him and Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Actually, Darkwing Duck's also coming back, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's actually, I thought it's already back. It's uh. Darkwing Duck and Dark, well, Darkwing Ducks is in Ducktales. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. They're putting they're putting him in Ducktales. That's how he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, every few episodes of Ducktales is going to be a Darkwing Duck Duck episode or something. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, yeah, I just what, now that it's telling its story for the most part, I'm okay with how things are going. But it needs to calm the fuck down. <laughs> And actually tell its story. Because it's not very good at that right now. Okay, then. I mean, mean, Deadman, do you have anything else? I know you watched the first episode. Do you have anything else you wanted to say about it? Nope, not really. He'd rather watch Handshakers. I don't even know what that is. Okay, you want actual bad animation? Yeah, Dead, do you want to see... Do you want to get sick watching an anime? Looking it up. Okay, no, but like actually watching it is a whole nother experience. I'm looking at video. Okay, no, I'm, I mean, I mean the show, like episode one is like an out of body experience. Looking at the trailer for it, and I'm kind of having a seizure. Uh, does Yo, you ever think Fish Eye is too fucking it's, pedestrian? It's, it, no, it's the room. Uh, That's what it is. Oh, it's Jesus. The room. Oh, that's disgusting. Yep. Uh there there one of the villains in it is uh is a guy who has his girlfriend chained up because at the uh whenever she comes she releases a super like she uses like a superpower. Like chains appear everywhere. So he has her tied up because she's into BDSM and he just like steps on her and then she orgasms and then chains appear and like attack the protagonist or whatever. It's fucking stupid. I'm watching a trailer and my head feels light. Okay, yeah, fuck this. Yeah, no, it's one of the... The only good thing that came out of it is that uh, Arcata did a five-minute riff of the first episode with some friends, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Me and Jeff Jeff watched that episode... uh, it was, it was bad. So yeah, I mean, watch the for in terms of the reflection, watch the first episode to go what the hell is going on, but then watch two or three more, want a couple more to see if you actually want to keep watching or just kind of go with your first impression and just stop, because this is one of those series where. I think it gets a whole lot better after the first episode, and it's scary how many times anime. I'll has give it. This. I'll give it three. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's why there's a three episode rule, like or a quote unquote yeah. three episode. And rule. even then, it's like, some, sometimes the three episode rule doesn't work because, according to Cora, you have to get past the first seven episodes of Akka before anything good happens. According to according to a lot of people, you have to get past like the first uh, twelve or it, it was like twelve or thirteen episodes of Hunter x Hunter to like it. You need, to get, you need to play through the first 20 hours of Final Fantasy XIII before things really open Sorry. up and get good. Apparently it's Hunter Hunter. 
I, I still call it Hunter X Hunter. That's why I just like I like I say Gun X Sword, not Gun Sword. <laughs> what is it? Monster Hunter X or Monster Hunter Cross? No, we'll never know. Yes, it is. I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> Who's ready for Project X Zone? Final Fantasy Cross. Final Fantasy Cross 2. Yeah, Cross 2. Final Fantasy Cross (laughs) I-I-I. Can't wait for that hot new fucking dress, fucking dress-up game. You know, Final Fantasy Cross 2. But I don't... So wait, is 15 Cross Carrot? (laughs) Anyway, I have nothing... Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about Reflection. If Dead Man doesn't, we should move on. Yes, let's. Anything else, Brody? Uh, did I read any manga that I didn't talk about last time? Um, not really worth talking about, so no. Alrighty then. <laughs> Strap in, motherfuckers. I got a fucking bunch of bullshit. I'll, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for you to say, have either of you uh, heard of Oremo? <laughs> uh, got none of that on here. So um, I guess first thing I'll talk about are stuff that I guess I was assigned for homework. Uh, so Kakagurui. Oh, this. Yeah. Yeah. I read the manga. I didn't watch the anime. Well, I watched the first episode yeah, of the Trey, anime. Trey, Trey wasn't here when I talked about this, but You're the not. basic impression was I watched it. And I basically told Dead Man, this seems like a you series. And <laughs> listening to him, synopsis. So Kakagurui is set in a school where basically everything is decided by gambling. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Your buddy Jeff did a fucking what's in an OP about it. Yeah. I was about to say uh, Kakagurui uh, seems cool, except they never, apparently, they like never deliver on fucking anything. Like yeah, kind of like they set they set up all these interesting yeah. ideas about stuff. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen people kind of like get, get shit on about it is like the Tower of Doors. Yeah. So I guess we'll get into spoilers for this, but oh yeah, Kakagurui is set in this school. Uh, the school after this after this one person becomes the new school council president, the student council president. Uh, they turn the school into hell almost. Because, you know, student government is very powerful. Hey, man. I remember can, in my school where we, didn't have a stu- where we didn't have a student government. We, we didn't have a student government, but it didn't take much to, like, go up to a teacher that really likes you and say, hey, you should, like, tell, you should, like, tell them to ban this thing, and then they'll, the next day it's banned. Like, it, it was fucking ridiculous. How much power you could have if you just made a teacher like you? I fucking yeah, but hated it, school, man. But if you make a teacher like you, could you say, "Hey, I want to institute. I want to institute a class-based system. I want to institute a caste system <laughs> that is entirely dependent around could. somebody's personal income." You probably could. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so it's it's a as yeah, so the the school has a caste system in it where if you are if you get within a certain amount of debt. Then you can you you can either pay that debt off or try to win money in order to, in order to clear your debt. However, if you don't get that, then you become either a, then you become a pet. Uh, if you are a male student, uh, you are called Fido. <sighs> You're called Fido. Um, th- this is in the English translation. 
uh, from the manga at least. If you're <laughs> yeah, if you're a, if you're a man, you become Fido, and if you're a lady, you become Mittens. <laughs> and then the rest of the student body can treat you like hot garbage, treating you like less than human, a scum person who does not even have the right to exist. But people still come to school. Kinky. Yep. And anyway, uh, yeah, so the start, story starts out with our main male protagonist. He loses everything in a bet against uh, Mary, uh, Sautome Mary, I believe is her name. I thought you were about to say in a bet uh, against Mary Sue. Yeah, in a bet against Mary Sue. You know, the, she's the bestest character. She has fucking like nine, she has fucking like nine ears and her cattails fucking immaculate and her dick's huge. <laughs> Cat tails and Mac and her dick's huge. You like interrupted yourself there. <laughs> yep. Anyway, yeah, he loses all of her money to her. He loses all of his money to her, and then she treats him like uses him as a bar stool, basically, or like an ottoman. I think. Yeah, ottoman. Yeah. Then Yumeko shows up, a new transfer student who starts off being really fucking like oblivious to everything, and then becomes the world's greatest gambler. Well, as I told you, if this is a character I think I'm, you're talking about, as I, at the end of the first episode, the the main the main male character's big realization is, "Bitch, be cray." Yeah, pretty much. Both in the anime and the manga, it ends it ends with him, ends with him saying, "Like, like that that day, I realized something about Yumiko. That bitch is fucking crazy about gambling." There was a uh, someone brought up uh, something about it saying the there's a problem with it though. Cause like they don't like, she always figures out, uh, figures out like the cheating. Cause like everyone's apparently a cheater. Oh yeah. It, it, it's one of those gambling. series. She, she always figures out the cheat, you know, except they never give you hints as to what the cheating is. They just say, she just goes, Oh, I know how you're doing it. Yeah, pretty much without, which is kind of stupid. Like, like in the first, like in the first bit, um, what it is, is, uh, well, they also don't do, don't do a great job of, like explaining the game all that well. Like in the like in the first uh, like the first game, it is a variant on rock paper scissors. That's the best way to cheat. Just don't tell the rules. No, nothing. They explain the rules. <laughs> just the rules aren't necessarily explained all that well. Yeah, that's how you cheat. You make loopholes. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so what happens is uh, cheat. What happens is uh, they the student body of this class. Uh, they all write out um, like rock paper scissors on uh, on like playing cards. They put them into a box, and then the people who are playing each draw three cards. So, I guess ideally, uh, they should have they should have um like uh, what two I, rocks and a scissors, or a rock paper and a scissors, or yeah, something like that, or whatever. But yeah, but in this classroom of thirty people, twenty of them are working for Mary. And so she gets them to simply write cards that would, I guess, benefit her in some way. And the way that it benefits her is there are basically no scissors except for like three. So she always has rock. Yeah, nothing beats rock. And then also behind, and then while well, well, that's all happening too, she has this fucking huge elaborate plan. Her actual strategy is to just have the fuck is to have the fucking main male character stand behind Yumeko and say what card she's gonna play. Okay. It's fucking I I don't understand how the cheating in that works. Like sometimes the cheating is relatively well explained. Like well, like one of the things like one of the games they have is this weird 
this weird variant on some other game where they this person has a cup of swords, like little like little tiny pl- like like plastic swords basically. Shakes up the cup and then slams it down onto a like roulette wheel of numbers. If the sword lands, if like there are notches on each, there are notches on all the numbers that show that could have like a that, that that are able to have the sword land in it. If the sword lands handle down, blade up, then you get thirty times back what you bet. If the sword lands blade down, handle up, then you lose thirty times what you bet. And how they do it is. Is um one of the swords is like one of the swords has some kind of magnet or something built into it, and each person who like does the shaking of the cup and slamming it down, they have two little metal prongs like like pierced into the back of their hand, so that so the magnet will be drawn to the side that their hand is on, and then they slam it down. They position their hand such a way that it slams the thing down into one of the pegs, like one, into one of the slots for the numbers. And yeah, so it's bullshit like that, and then it just keeps going on like that with other kinds of weird games. The games get really fucking elaborate pretty quickly, and not a lot of them do not a lot of them do a great job of like explaining how the game works, how the cheating works, or if they do do that, then it just doesn't matter. Like the Tower of Doors thing. There's this, there's like five story tower that has different doors that all have fucking weird numbers and like math symbols on them, or whatever. And what and what you have to do is you have to try to get down to the each person has like five minutes to do a turn to try to open a door, and they and then they have to try to get down to the bottom floor, grab a flower, and then get up to the top floor. Whoever loses has to throw themselves off the fifth floor of this tower. The rub of it all is that the tower spins. Somehow yeah. this somehow this five story tower made of like fucking infinite doors is able to fucking lift itself up and rotate in such a way that nobody feels or hears any kind of rumbling. So you're saying it doubles down on ridiculous too often? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it does it does do that a bit. And but but what I've heard is uh that all the threats and everything like there, someone's like, I've thrown you by like pulling your fingernails off or like if you lose you're going to have all your fingernails pulled off. That kind of shit. They never follow through with any of that. Well, they never follow through with any of it because they always lose. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of dumb because it's like, what? What are the stakes? Yeah, like the only time Yumiko has ever lost has only been when there's money on the line. And yeah, and also it's like she liked it. Yeah, and like any stake she came. Yeah, and like any stake that is there is kind of immediately undercut by something. Like like the, like the one time like the one time that where like the undercutting hit the hardest was in the Tower of Doors thing, because the assistant because like it was Yumeko against the student council president's assistant. The assistant loses because Yumeko figures out that the tower is spinning. Mm-hmm. So so the pre- so the assistant goes and jumps fucking out the door. It's like hey okay, I'm gonna fucking die. Then the president jumps out right at, jumps out right after her because it turns out this fucking acres wide flower field is actually a crash mat. Like I said, they just don't follow through with shit. Yeah, or or there's another bit. It was a, it's a relatively it's a it is a new bit. Uh, they they're getting into a new arc of the story where the student council president is putting the is putting the president seat of president up for election basically. And the election is done with bets. 
Everybody has a bet. Every, every, sorry, those those the gambling. Everybody has one vote token. <clears throat> they can vote with those. They, they can bet those tokens. Whoever has the most vote tokens at the end of the betting pool wins. And so one of the games they play is they put their fingers in a guillotine and they take turns cutting a string. And then the person who cuts the wrong string, the thing falls down and cuts their fingers off unless they pull out. The first person to pull out loses. But there's an iron plate in the gui- in the guillotine that stops the blade from reaching their fingers. Okay, yeah. This, see, this sounds like, um, aside from the weird sexualization, this sounds like it's going to the extreme the other way. At, so, do you, did you read Gamblefish? I did not. Gamblefish is a is another is a much more shonen take on this kind of concept of a school where there's almost nothing but gambling, but it got too ridiculous with the gore and the violence, in my opinion, to where um, the school the school's um, principal uh, assistant principal was like a lunatic Nazi in a gimp suit who in the first 20 chapters uh, cut off two of the main characters' fingers with a chainsaw. Jesus. And he just kept betting because, you know, he was that addicted to betting. And, like, in one of the later chapters, the main character is blind for 12 chapters because he was just that good at betting and accounted for the fact that the guy he was playing with would probably cheat and blind him in a game where if you... If you guess, it's like it's like um, the game he was playing was like the, the uh, I don't know what you call that the game where you bet on a an, a little metal ball to land on something. Pachinko. Yeah, no, uh, it's like it's spinning in the it's it's spinning in the center of a table. Roulette. Roulette. Yeah, it's roulette. Except uh, there's a you have several of your friends held hostage on different parts of the of the board. So if it lands on them, they die. But you can still technically bet on that, and if you you could risk killing them and hurting yourself, if you bet against it, it lands on them, that kind of thing. But so this feels like it's going to the same level of ridiculous, but saying, "Oh, but don't worry, no one really gets hurt." Uh, <laughs> or has that not? Or has people gotten hurt? Because that's the one thing I kind of thought from the episode I watched is that there was potential for this to actually have stakes and not just revel in looking crazy uh people don't get physically hurt very often anyway like like the most recent game that they played involved poison because one of because because the, the way because the way the person cheated was they hugged you at the beginning of the thing and injected her with poison so yeah uh but every once in a while they do have a game that like actually is a like kind of for realsies gambling thing and that's mainly when it's a game that is just like a slight twist on a game that already exists, like like really well established. Like, um, one of the things they do is a kind of poker, Indian poker. Uh, no, well, well, they do that. That that is another thing. That is one game that they do play. Yeah, and the way they cheat in that is fucking retarded. Yeah, uh, there's pol- there's Indian poker, there's Polish poker. Uh, it's it's a it is essentially like a high low poker where you get your hand and then and then everybody bets and whoever bet the highest chooses whether it's the high hand or the low hand that wins. Okay. Uh, and the base and the basic way he cheated and the way that he cheated was I have infinite money. 
And Yumiko had like a buck fifty. So okay, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like that actually did that actually did feel like an like that actually did feel like a real kind of fucking game that felt like an actual fucking that was that was actual gambling for a second there. Because even if it because even if it was like even even if you have like the fucking hand even if you have like the bet or whatever and you and you try to get a you try to get like a even if you have like the highest bet and you were trying to determine like what the actual thing next is gonna be. There's always a chance that you could actually lose, and and yeah, it's, it's weird shit like that. Uh, man, some of the games just don't work all that well. Like the way that they cheat is incredibly convoluted. The way that the games work is incredibly convoluted, and I've largely kept reading it just because I kind of like Yumiko. She, she's the kind of crazy you enjoy watching. Yeah, because it because like until she gets like super deep into gambling, it's not a violent kind of crazy. It is more like it's more like oh yeah, we're gonna have it's, this gambling thing. We're all gonna know, fucking we're gonna fucking like, like drop acid on our clits to see who screams first. And she's like, because ah! no, like, actual like, giddiness. Like based on what I can tell, when she's not gambling, she just seems kind of disconnected from reality. She feel no, she feel um, from, from what I've read of it, she is like wholly connected to what ha- what is happening in reality. It's just her version of reality is really warped. Yeah, I mean that I figured out from her seeing uh, graffiti on her desk, and her reaction is to lay on the ground and do a sexy cat pose for the male character. I was like, "What?" The yeah, hell? yeah, that happened in the manga too. <laughs> you know, the weird thing is like a Russian roulette bit, because of course Russian roulette, you know, Diddy Mao, but. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. The thing, the thing is, this series is weird, and I kind of have a hard time talking about it because I, there was so much with the, with the fucking shit happening in terms of like the actual game and the gambling of it that I mainly forget all of it once I'm done reading that arc. Well, yeah, from the sounds of it, it doesn't sound like that. Does it establish strong characters besides Yumiko and the other male lead? Uh, Mary's pretty all right. Um, the there was a there's a former member of the student council who Yumeko beat unless she got kicked out. Uh, the other characters, th- th- this this series does, does do a good job like establishing characters. It's just a matter of like, it's just a matter of having those characters be involved in like actual high stakes gambling. Yeah, because from what you've told me, it sounds like the plots are a little too ridiculous to be invested in. So if you don't have strong characters, you're just, it, even if you're enjoying it in the moment, it's not going to stick with you. Yeah. I, I don't want to say the characters necessarily strong, but I do enjoy reading them. Okay. It gets a moderate recommendation from me. Okay. And sorry, everybody, we need to take a quick break for a second. Uh, we'll be right back. Back, everybody. Sorry about that. Uh, Trey unfortunately had to bounce. Uh, he had because of an idiot who, when it comes, because uh, of an idiot when it comes to scheduling, Trey had to leave because he has like things to do in the morning. I guess. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah, so we're back. Uh, so next up, so, Krokonobaske. Yeah, this is one of the longer series you read, <laughs> and I read all of it. 
Not in like two days like Trey, but in like four days. Yeah. Yeah, So I read all of it and I really enjoy it. It is really good. Like really fucking good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so for those who don't know, didn't hear us talk about it last time, um, Kuroko Nabasuke is about this kid, Kuroko, who was from a school where where the basketball team was the greatest basketball team to ever exist. Yeah, literally called in the series the Generation of Miracles. Yeah, and so Kuroko was on that team, but he was the Phantom Six player because he is so unin- cause he is so like uninteresting, or like I guess like, doesn't leave so much of an impression that people forget he exists. Like to the point where where Kuroko can be standing right in front of a person and they won't notice he's there until he says, hi, I'm here. Yeah. Or they just like happen to look up and just see him there. And he's like, dude, what are you doing here? He's like, I was here five minutes ago. You just sat down. (laughs) Yeah. That is a, that is a recurring joke in the first few chapters where our other main character, Kagami, will just go to like a burger place, order like 8,000 burgers, because he can apparently afford that in a high school student salary. Sure. Then just sits sure. down at a table, and just, it just like looks over, Kuroko's just sitting there. But yeah, so that made him really great as essentially a support player. He was able to go in, redirect ball, redirect like um, passes and stuff, like distract people, steal balls and stuff, and get, and get them to where they needed to be in order to score. But unfortunately, his team then became a bunch of dickbags. So he decided that he was going to defeat them all. And decided to do it along with Kagami, who is who is described in the book as the miracle who missed the generation of miracles. Yeah, because like, from the very beginning, even Kuroko is sort of suggesting that Kagami is kind of built physically and... T- and talent wise on about on the same level as the generation of miracles. He just didn't happen to be in Japan when they were playing in middle school. Yeah. Cause all about, yeah, by the way, all this happened in middle school, you know, well, I mean, the, the, the series, of, it's, the series itself happened. No, the series happens in high school, but, but like the generation of miracles was middle school team. Yeah. Cause you know, whenever, th- when everyone thinks of the pinnacle of fucking sportsmanship and like physical and like physical athletic abilities, they think about middle schoolers. Yeah. It's something well, that, to be fair, uh, middle school in Japan goes up to like 15, so it's a little bit more believable, but yeah, it's still a little weird. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so Kuroko uh, gets on his team. Uh, his team has... His, his team is a pretty, like, alright team. It's just they're not anywhere near the level of the fucking Miracles. It's a good thing the Miracles can't play on their teams for fucking dick. Because one of the things I actually do enjoy about the series is that kind of from beginning to end, the series is about the fucking... The series is about the need for actual, like, real teamwork and companionship in a basket, and, like, a team-based sport. Yes. Like, beginning to end, this series is... Basketball is a sport where you play, where you play with a team of people and you have fucking fun. Because a good yeah. number of the miracles of the generation of miracles, their whole thing is that they are so stupidly good, nobody else can keep up with them, and because of that, they don't have fun playing basketball anymore, and that would, and that's kind of what leads to them losing. Except for one of them, who has a split personality. Yeah. 
Because, you know. Because, you know, shonen. <laughs> yeah. Can't completely escape the tropes. Yeah. So I think one of the reasons I kind of like this show a lot is, or I guess the series because I read the manga. I tried watching the anime and I just wasn't that into it. I don't think the animation worked great in the first couple episodes I watched. Yeah, I mean it gets it gets better as it goes along, but the first few epi- the first few chap- episodes don't have a lot of great basketball to show. It's mostly just like team practice type stuff, so they can't really show off the crazy. Yeah, Until like, you get into the last big tournament, it gets a lot better. But by, because they put so much effort into what they show during the tournament stuff, a lot of the in-between stuff, of course, kind of suffers animation-wise. Yeah, so I might like look up stuff like that afterwards. but Like uh, the Vanishing Drive or the Phantom Shot or uh, just any, Over- any of... Yeah. Yeah. Misdirect Overflow. Yeah, any of Kuroko's ridiculous abilities. <laughs> yeah, because that's the other thing. This series is about basketball magic. Like, straight up. Like, like it, it's not supposed to be literal magic, but the way it ends up playing out, it kind of feels like it. <laughs> yeah, like, all the individual members of the fucking Generation of Miracles have some specialty or, like, some thing that makes them what they're great at. Like, um, the weakest member is able to copy any movie sees. Yeah. You have one guy who's able to make shots from anywhere on the court. You have another guy who is just kind of like a base all-rounder who is able to get like into, who's able to get into quote unquote the zone. Because since it's a fucking Japanese sports thing, the zone is a mythical thing that only gods and fucking deities can enter. And it's not just a thing that literally anybody who does anything that requires concentration can enter. Uh, one of them is just a fucking behemoth of a person who is able to like defend and attack better than almost anybody. And then you have the leader of the team who is a straight-up attempted murderer. Yeah. Okay, and I don't, I don't know if this happens often in sports shonen series, but when they get melodramatic, it gets ridiculous. <laughs> Like like most shonen series, especially stuff like that is set in high school, like it's about a high school team. A lot of them go super drama, super quick, and it gets to and like I can never take bits like that seriously. It always it always draws me out of it because I'm like, dude, you are playing high school basketball. Chill. <laughs> like like hey, you're really good at playing basketball against other high school students. Fucking la di da. That doesn't give you the right to stab people with scissors. Because he literally yeah. does that. Yeah, yeah, he does. And I can't disagree with you on that. It's just... Oh, dude. That's the thing. For, for a series all about... Like, I know that the whole point of each competition is to have a team that's all about optimism and love for the game and working as a team and having fun as a team going up against like cynical ennui pro players that just like to play going up against murderers. Yeah. You can't, you you have to, you can't. Okay. We can accept a certain level of ridiculousness in the sports themselves, but when you, when the drama itself gets it, like I'm honestly thinking the drama in this series is more ridiculous, even than Kuroko's magic basketball moves. And that's a problem because 
this is this is supposed to be set in reality. <laughs> and yeah, maybe if you could run into a, a the leader of a high school basketball team who has attempted to murder someone with scissors and has a split personality. But when the when it's that melodramatic, you can't really take it seriously anymore. You're just kind of laughing at it. Yeah, it draws you out so much from the actual events happening around that you're like, all right, yeah, I can accept the fact that somebody can dribble a ball so good they disappear like magic, but stabbing somebody because they wouldn't leave when you say, hey, leave. At that point, you're in, like, Japanese Tyler Perry territory. Yeah, it is. It's kind of ridiculous. And so what the series does really well um, is the power crawl, I think. It it does a really great job of, like, having... Uh, it it has it does a really good job of like having the challenge and the and the like the power of the players or whatever level up in such a way that once it gets to the end you feel like hey this is the pinnacle and it stops like like there like there is like a sequel a manga I think but as for like the main story it well is, this uh the sequel story <sighs> I'm not sure how I feel about this because I guess they are working as a team but the whole point of the sequel story is that the generation of miracles and Taiga get together to be able to play a bunch of douchey American characters that are visiting Japan which is really stupid because like one one of the American person one of like one of the characters who shows up is Taiga's uh, Kagami's uh, like coach over in America she's like a former WNBA star like a fucking awesome basketball player and she's able to like look at basketball players and see their power potential and when one of the generations of miracle comes along, she looks at him and almost shits herself. Because the way yeah. the way, the way that, like people's potential is shown as like is like as this weird smoke drifting off of them. And some of them have like a small little aura or whatever. With him, it is an aura that is the size of the fucking gym they're in and blocks out every other person. Yeah. So the idea that an American person could show up and is like, hey, yeah, we're from we're from America, where basketball is played, and they have any kind of like actual problem with them. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, like the main ser- the main series itself. Before any sequel shit, it is it is just all right. So we beat the weakest guy, then we start going through up, then we beat the strongest guy, then the book ends. Yeah, no, it literally ends right when you think it probably should. <laughs> yeah, the penultimate chapter is he is they just beat the fucking rival team. Uh, Kuroko and the guy who used to be the captain of the team, who was his former buddy, is now his buddy again. And they're like, hey, yeah, thanks for fucking beating me and teaching me to teach me that it's okay to lose or whatever. Yeah, I guess that's another thing we forgot to mention. Going that psychotic with the with the final boss was kind of ridiculous because he's also the one who taught the main Kuroko his specific basketball style because he was at first trying to play like a normal player and he just discovered he wasn't very good at it. And he told him, why don't you try focusing on this? And he did and discovered that made him a really good basketball player. And I guess that's the emotional core for the drama surrounding this character, but it it doesn't change how melodramatic the stuff with that guy is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah. So then the second, the next chapter is it's the next year. Everybody's meeting. Everybody's fucking getting ready to go play basketball again. Then it just ends. And it's kind of the best way to end it. Yep. (sighs) So another reason I feel like I like this a lot is the play, like the interplay between Kagami and Kuroko. Yeah, no, that, that, that comedic friendly dynamic is the core of the whole series. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, and you see like their you see like their trust and relationship actually grow over the course of the series to the point where like at the beginning it is like yeah he's pretty good but I'm fucking dope as hell and then the series just goes along with uh, Kuroko slowly trying like slowly like make, getting closer closer to Kagami and also like trying to pull him back from becoming one of the generations of miracles essentially being just so good that he's a dick to everybody yeah like every like every other one of the fucking generations of miracles. They never attend practice. They never do anything like one of the guys um, who is, I think, like one of the mid bosses. I can't remember his name. I think it's Daichi. Oh, Daiki. Daiki. Yeah. Uh, or the one that the, the reason you don't know his the first zone name guy. is because the, the, because they call him Almine all the time. They call him by his last name. The guy with the dark brown skin and the black hair. Yeah. Like Daiki. Uh, he straight up attacks one of his fellow players. And then everyone's yeah. like, yeah, that's cool. And actually, given their auras, I just thought about this. Uh, he's the evil Blue Ranger. Because <laughs> they all have a different aura color. And I think, like, uh, um, Kisei, the one who's good at copying, is the evil Yellow Ranger. And Midori... Actually, crap. I just... Fuck, I just got that. Now <laughs> I feel stupid. All of their names are their are colors. Yeah. Murasaki, Bar is pur- Murasaki is purple. Al is blue. Kisei is yellow. Midori is green. I can't remember what uh, the emperor guy's name is, but it's got to be something related to red. I yeah, it's, it's oh, red. It, yeah, I just can't remember. I, I feel stupid that I forgot that. <laughs> you think Kuroko is black, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I, kept, I kept feeling this while I'm reading it, and I feel like this is like indicative of the fact that I play way too much D&D lately. It made me really want to see a fucking manga about a bard. Just bards, okay. like bards, for those who don't know, are support characters who nobody wants to play because everybody shits on them because they think, oh, these fucking weak ass dudes, what are you going to do, sing at them? But they get stupidly powerful. And that's kind of what I felt like going into this. Like everybody fucking looks at Kuroko and is like, oh, what the fuck? You're just some fucking nobody. Who the fuck's going to want to play with you? And it turns out he's a fucking amazing player at one very specific style of play. I just really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed reading a fucking series where the main character was a support character. Yeah. No, that's what, I, what always drew me to the character. The yeah. always drew me to this series because it, the whole Kagami is a good player and he, on the same level as Generation Miracles. But he, I think the reason you like him at all is because of his relationship with Kuroko. Oh, yeah. If not, if he, he would just be an asshole. Yeah, if he kept going down the path that he was at the start of the series, he would be in the same fucking vein as the Miracles of just this fucking ju- colossal dickbag. Yeah. But like I said earlier, Kuroko is there to like fucking even out, pull him back. Just say, hey, bro, we're playing on the same team here. Everything's cool, bro. Yeah, just Pick chill the fuck out. Hey, come through this door. Go, go see Pickle Rick. He'll help you. That's another weird thing with the fucking zone. There's apparently a second level to the zone that makes you even yeah. more amazing. Yep. And the only way you can get that through that door is to not be a dick to your team. Yeah, there's a level of the zone where you give the zone to your entire team. Which I guess is a good metaphor. For, but I guess that was the weird thing about the zone for me. Is that it was all... that. It, it was an ability that that was basically made you one good player, but the whole series was about working as a team. So I guess the only way you can really end a series like that with that kind of ability is to have someone find out how to give that power to the whole team. 
no matter how little sense it makes. Yeah, it's fucking weird as hell. Yeah, the rest of the team does a pretty good job of like uh of uh like keeping like holding their own as characters too. Um, like the captain of the team, I really enjoyed him as a character. Like his character was that a lot of time he was like relatively restrained and stuff in terms of like talking. But once he got really into the once he got really into the swing of things, then he just started like calling everybody like horrible shit names, just insulting everybody who looked at him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And this- also, it, I, the other I don't, I don't know if this is gonna this will probably come up in robot x laser beam at some point but the way this artist likes to do pets <laughs> that right yeah dog. right yeah number two Kroko number two <laughs> the whole time the, that's okay I, when you get a chance look up the scene it just if see if you can find the scene from the anime where they first find the dog and they just cut back and forth between looking at Kroko's eyes and looking at the dog's eyes <laughs> and then Immediately after that, they cut to Kagami being super afraid of dogs. Yeah, Kagami, and Kagami is Kuroko terrified of dogs. Has to torture him. <laughs> it's the thing like Kuroko, even though he's a support character, he still like gets in there and he does his own shit. Like he's still kind of a dickbag to his friends, which is what you kind of do with friends. Like, you're, like you're not a Kuroko's just great. Kuroko's just a great fucking character. Yeah, no, he might be one of my favorite sports characters, even if he, it's. Kuroko no Basuke is not my favorite sports series. That would go to either Ippo or uh, Haikyuu, probably Haikyuu. Yeah. But Ippo might not, uh, well, Ippo too, but Kuroko might be one of my personal favorite characters. Oh, yeah, totally. Kuroko is a fantastic character who works well within his team. Uh, His kind of like one-noteness. At the start of the series, he's he is not bit, even one note. He has one role. He's not one note. Well, at, at, the, at the very start, it seemed like that was kind of the way they were going with it. Just like this one joke of, oh, nobody notices him. Then he appears, blah. But they managed to. Well, they, well keep, see, that's the thing. They, they show him that he, even though he's good at one thing, he can't rely on just that one thing. He also has to improve himself. It's That's the weird balance that the series gets with its merit. Where, whereas Kagami has to learn how to work better as a team. Kuroko has to work better to to better himself as part of the team. Yeah. Because he's he's made himself so subservient to the goals of the rest of the team that no matter how good he is at this one thing, he kind of hits a dead end at some point. So people start pointing out, you maybe you need to learn new ways to use what you're good at. And he starts doing it. I kind of like that. Yeah. And he, it's, also, even, it's even like shown like it's shown like also like in like his character motivations too, because uh, in the. At the start of the series, his motivation is, I want to make Kagami the best player in all of Japan. Yeah. And then as you get close to the end, his goal is, I want to take this team and together be the best in Japan. Yeah. And a lot of that. Also, another little joke from... I love this guy's this writer's sense of humor. Love at first popsicle stick. <laughs> just that, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I just... Gives this girl, hey, you got a free popsicle, and then like, oh god, I'm in love with you forever. I I don't know why that scene was so funny. <laughs> uh, I feel like this writer knows a lot of the sports tropes and was just been, liked making fun of them. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, anyway, yeah, great series. Yeah, a less great series is Pupa. Why the fuck did you read Pupa? I know what that is. I was like, bored. Oh. oh, man. Again, I fell down a manga hole. 
Sounds like it. Yeah, I read. Like I said, I so I read all of Krokonobosuke, and I was like, and I, and, I, and all of a sudden, I just went to fucking manga life and just started clicking, hey, random manga, and then I found like, and I found myself on this weird like horror bent for a while. Yeah, you see, I read a bunch of manga too recently, but it was mostly just generic fantasy stuff that just left no impression on me. I didn't somehow manage to find one of, the, if it's what I'm thinking, it is one of the creepiest and most not fun to look at horror stories ever. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Uh, so the series is built from the ground up to have a brother fuck his sister. Yeah. So we got two characters. Don't remember their names. Fuck their names. They are brother and sister. The fuck was that? Sorry, lasers. So brother and sister are brother and sister. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I don't know why that came out weird. Sorry, lasers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so brother and sister were raised by their mom and dad for a bit. Uh, their dad was an abusive dickhole who left a horrible scar across his brother across brother's face. And then after the dad after father after the dad left, the mom just walked out on him. Just fuck him. So then the brother raised the sister by himself. And his life is completely depend just like dependent around being with his sister. As the series as the series progresses, that be with his sister goes in the direction you really don't want it to go. Oh, man. They meet a weird lady, and she says, hey, if you see red butterflies, get the fuck out of there. The sister sees red butterflies and turns into a giant demon bunny that eats people. This was animated by Studio Dean. (laughs) Studio I actually kind of like. Yeah. But don't worry. But don't worry, people who are now saddened by this character who we just met being turned into a giant fucking... What is wrong? What are you doing? Sorry. Sorry. My someone, my phone started ringing. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Yeah, the brother goes, hey, sister, don't worry. Everything will be fine. Sister then eats the brother. But then the brother doesn't die because now he is some kind of immortal person. And the series just progresses from there as... The brother needs to save the sister. Then the sister wants to save the brother. Then the brother wants to save the sister. Then the sister wants to save the brother. And then the person behind everything takes their fucking genetic material and makes a weird bastard baby that she holds inside of her that is then birthed and raised by her and her brother. While the actual brother and sister turn into butterflies and fly to the sky, fucking their ghosts until they disappear. The series is yeah, bad. The series, series is awful. Let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. A good horror series, though, that I read is Happiness. Oh, I've actually looked at this. The art style looked interesting. Yeah, this is from the uh, Flowers of Evil guy. Okay, yeah, this is going to be creepy as fuck. <laughs> kind of, but like in a good way. En- yeah, that's what I'm saying. More enjo- enjoyably, enjoyable type of creepy than pupa. Yeah, this is, assen- <laughs> this is essentially anime let the right one in. Okay, I can get with that. Yeah, so we got this kid. He is a young kid. He is being horribly abused at school because he's a fucking dickhole. And everybody hates him for some reason. Uh, He has like one buddy who he sometimes hangs out with. And his buddy's like, oh man, if only those people would just fucking die. There's been a rash of murders in his neighborhood. He goes out one night to go return some DVDs. when When he is attacked by a person who looks to be around his age. 
They say, hey, do you want to die or want to become like me? And he says, I don't want to die. So he the next day is a vampire. And then it's solely about him realizing he is a vampire, getting used to him being a vampire, uh, him getting him like becoming friends with people because he's a vampire, and then just kind of progressing from there as things get progressively worse and worse in his life. And it's 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 cool. I really like it. I'm liking it a lot more than uh, the other this guy book that I'm reading right now that I can't I can't remember the name of for the life of me. Let me just look that up real quick as I'm talking about it. I think I actually have the first di- digital volume of Happiness. I just haven't read it That's mainly because um, Trail of Blood. I was oh yeah that uh, mainly because I got distracted by the fact that the first mega volume of uh, Monster was on sale when I was at the comic book store. So fair. I, was like, eh, I need to start collecting those at some point. <laughs> yeah, fair. But yeah, I really enjoy this. I. It has a really good job of being a different vampire story. Like I don't, I know it's, I know it's weird, like me saying it's a different vampire story when I say like, oh yeah, it's just fucking like it's manga version of fucking Let the Right One In, but it differs from Let the Right One In in a few ways. Like it is, like Let the Right One In is about a young boy kind of forming a real relationship with a eight hundred year old vampire who's like a ten year old girl. Yeah, whose caretaker is a pedophile. Yeah. In this, there is none of that. It is it is this young girl who is a vampire who turns this kid. And then there are other vampires like in the area that are involved with this. She has some kind of weird infatuation with this kid that hasn't really been explored all that deeply yet. Like, I think we're only 30 chapters in at time of recording. I don't know if they're done. I don't know if chapters will keep coming out for this. Maybe. Yeah, we're uh, we're like 30 chapters in. Uh, there was just a really, there was just a really big time skip in the last couple chapters, and now the series is fo- now the series has switched focus over to a totally different character, actually. Okay, like the first uh, twenty or so chapters was focusing on this young boy who was who was slowly learning that he was a vampire and what was happening to him. Uh, over the course of that, he started making friends with this girl. Uh, she. He ended up just kind of talking to. He ended up just uh, talking to her after he had a blood craving attack in the middle of the class, but not realizing that. But not realizing that's what it was because he doesn't know he's he didn't know he's a vampire at this point. He just kind of like begins throwing up in the hallway, and then this girl just comes across him and starts talking to him. The two of them ended up becoming friends and kind of start going out, and then flash forward to like ten years later. And it's now focusing on this girl and her kind of and her like life after having her throat slit by somebody who wanted to become a vampire. And okay. and just her kind of like getting her life back in order and then also still realizing that she still has this obsession with trying to find this kid and save him because he reminded her of his because he reminded her of her dead brother. Okay. And it all works. It all works really well. Like the drama in this is it sounds that's not to say it sounds like a horror series that's actually focused on the drama and not weird creepiness. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. This is a horror drama series, and it works really well. I think on both fronts, like the horror stuff, they're able to, they're able to do a really good job. This guy's a really good job of drawing like creepy scenes and having and having like really intense moments, especially involving like the violence in it, because you know vampires are inherently violent creatures. 
but the drama itself is also really well done. Like, like a lot of this feels almost like slice of life stuff, but slice of life from a person who doesn't want to be involved in this life really. And it all works really well. And now that we've now, now we've done like the jump ahead, things have kind of like reset a bit in the last in the last few chapters before the time skip. Things got a bit intense. Like there was a lot of there's a lot of murder going on. There was a lot of there's a lot of like weird shit involving secret government organizations. It's because you know vampires. I guess. A lot of real graphic violence and a lot of like real horrible people. But now we've kind of like got a nice little soft reset that continues the story and I really want to see where it goes from here. Okay. Anywho. Moving on. Uh, This is going to be a bit of a doozy to say. So. Kasonba no naimachi ni kane go narutoki. Oh, joy. <laughs> I have no idea what that title translates out to. Maybe if I saw it, I could tell you, but just hearing it over the sound thing is a little difficult. <laughs> yeah, but this is a weird one. So this kid moves back into a town he used to live in when he was very young. Uh, he's moving here from Tokyo, and it's this really shitty town, like, just kind of off in the mountains somewhere. And one of the rules this town has is nobody goes out after 6 p.m. When they get there, the kid just kind of goes off on his own. He's going, tr- he's going trying to find a childhood friend of his, this young girl, who he had a crush on, because, of course. And as he is going around trying to find her. It gets to 6 p.m. when he finds her. And then this huge bell starts like sounding somewhere off in the distance. And everybody, and uh, she and him, well, she is freaking out like we need to get the fucking side. Everything's going to fucking shit. He's like, what the fuck is happening? Explain any of this to me, please. For the love of God. But once they get in, but once they are almost inside, uh, the guy sees this, Weird person. I think it's just like a regular person. Goes up, sees the person is horribly decayed, and like one of their eyes is missing, and their teeth are fucking falling out of their face, and their skin's just sluicing off of them. And then and then they start attacking him. He manages to, he manages to escape the person, get back inside, and learns that every night at six p.m., those things begin roaming the streets. If anybody's caught outside of the house, they are taken and killed, and nobody sees and nobody ever sees them again. And then it just goes from there with this kid trying to figure out why his childhood friend hates him, who this weird dragon dude is, and what's up with these fucking monsters. Weird dragon dude? Yeah, there's a dude. His name is Dragon. At least his name was Dragon when they were kids. Okay. <laughs> yeah, his name is, I think, like Ryuji or something. Oh, so, which means dragon. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so childhood nickname. He hates it now, but he but the, but the main character keeps calling him that because that's the name he's used to calling him. Okay. There are like 15 chapters of this out. I read all 15 and it's weirdly comedic. Like a lot of it is like um, a lot of it, like a lot of the comedy stuff comes from just like uh, the young girls, like the childhood friends overreaction in the hatred she has for this, for the main character or the main character calling dragon, dragon him going like, don't fucking call me that. And the girl calling him dragon. He's like, Oh yeah, sure. Fucking I'll be right there with you. 
and the threat of these creatures is it doesn't feel like a real threat yeah well from what the sound from what it sounds like um after that initial setup it sounds like the series doesn't focus no it really doesn't or, or, or it, it, sorry, it does focus. It just doesn't focus on the right thing. Oh, okay. Let me rephrase that. It focuses. It it sets up this thing for tension, but then it decides that the writer's not that doesn't really want to focus on that. So it, and at that point, they become like zombies. Any other story where they're just kind of in the background there to the point where I I, I hate having this argument with people. Whereas, like, what's the point of having a zombie apocalypse story if the zombies are just in the background for the rest of the story? Because, and then people always say, because it, it leads to really great human drama and you have, like, cool, interesting apocalypse characters. So it's like, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> the zombie, like, yeah, you can have that, but the zombies need to be an overwhelming, prevalent threat. Yeah, they can't just be there. Yeah, like, that. that's like, that's like a... If the zombies aren't a real threat, it'd just be like going into a scene and just having it be like full of thousands of trees. Yeah. At that point, they're not a threat. They're scenery. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, you'll hear the voices of the dead. I already do. What's new? Uh, these are different dead. Okay, so I'm, I'm not talking to you. No, you're hearing me now. You will hear the voices of separate dead things. Okay, we're going to Family Union. Got it. Yep. All right, so You'll Hear the Voices of the Dead is a, another horror series. It is about a young boy who sees ghosts. And one of the ghosts he sees is the ghost of his dead childhood friend. Uh, they used to be they used to hang out a lot, and then one day she just kind of disappeared and died. He then started, looks like Bruce Willis. Uh, <laughs> he then started seeing her ghost, and... From there, things just get weird. As every time he goes to do anything, it is involving some haunting or some horrible fucking monster or a bunch of fucking murderers. And it is and it is like this kid being led around by this very bored looking ghost while he himself looks pretty bored. Trying to solve these fucking things that have no impact on anything because this is an episodic manga. Okay, sure. And it is ridiculous how fucking how fucking non-existent any kind of connected connective tissue to the, all this is. Like in one of the, like in one of the so in one of the stories, uh, they go to an island. They're like for like a class for like a for like a trip for their occult studies club or whatever in school. Once they get there, it is revealed that their tour guide as well as all the cops in the island are involved in this weird Cthulhu cult. And they then summon a bunch of fucking horrible monsters from the sea. Uh main character, his fat buddy, and uh, the president of the club uh, begin running away, and they get to the edge, and they get to the end where this fucking cliff is. So the president pulls out a gun that she took off a dead cop, and threatens to kill the rest of the club members unless they protect her, because, you know, she's a girl. (sighs) The The next chapter she appears in Nobody remembers anything that happened there except for the fucking main character who is so blasé about this person who tried to murder him to save her own skin. 
Like he, uh, like he doesn't even mention the fact that like he act. He doesn't even mention the fact like, out loud. He just he just remembers it in his head as he's just staring blankly at her. They have this other story where a fucking really rich person is like keeping themselves alive by eating, by keeping themselves alive by like eating small chunks of of like vampire ashes. And then the fucking va- and then the, like the vampire ashes get a bunch of blood spill on them, and the vampire ashes like they're from they're from so many different vampires. They just explode in this weird like giant mass of like flesh. And it's like sure. And it's like the next day, the, all that flesh was gone, and all they found was the fucking body of this lady. Whatever. Moving on. Sure. And another, another bit, uh, they meet another character who's a psychic, like an actual fact psychic, like kind of like the kid. And and she says, like, hey, the reason that this ghost is staying around isn't because of her, is because of her, it's because of you. And that goes nowhere. Never even mentioned again, even when they bring that character back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, a couple things left. Um, Knights and Magic. It is... Dog shit isekai trash. I think I've seen this. Yeah, it looks like, aside from the giant robots, it looks like any other in another world fantasy series ever. Yes, it is about a guy who dies, gets reincarnated in another world, and then re- and then it turns out that there is magic in this world, and that magic equates incredibly closely to a thing he was incredibly good at in, the, in his previous life. Oh gee! So he becomes a fucking god at the age of twelve. He then be yeah. So his whole thing is that he is really good at programming and building model robots. The magic is the magic is basically programming. Like he is running fucking command scripts in yeah, his head for magic. Pro, you can program the world and get those powerful magic. Yeah, sure. Yeah, some bullshit or whatever. And then he all of a sudden knows. And like he goes into this fucking class uh, about engineering these fucking mechs, and after one day, basically knows how to construct his own mech. Yeah, sure, whatever. To the point where, like, he actually fucking goes to the the king of the country he is in and says, "Hey, teach me this incredibly classified information about how to about how to build the engine that these mechs run on, so I can build my own mech." I'm not gonna lie, Dead Man. I'm getting more bored the more you talk about this. Oh yeah, you should. And and it's just making me remember. I don't. I I guess I, I this wasn't a particularly good series I looked at because I didn't talk about it. But I have to give it points just for blatantly stating its premise. Um, the the title is literally "Cheating Wizards in Another World." <laughs> Because it's an it's an it's another isekai story where these two childhood friends in high school get warped to a magical world, and when they get their powers, they discover that they are the most powerful wizards in history. So they decide to start cheating their way across a Skyrim world. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Based on what you're talking about, it probably isn't. Uh, I'd have to look at it again. It it didn't leave a lasting impression, but I only read like one chapter. Yeah. So the only reason the only reason I read any more of this than the one chapter, or even looked at it at all, was because I thought the main character was a girl. You know, that's another thing Japan's good at. <laughs> Fucking androgyny. Yeah, it is. It is real weird too, because like when we first see our like lead character in the fucking mech, he looks like he has tits. Like, yes, small tits, but tits. Yeah, yeah. And then, nope, he's a guy. 
who then gets reincarnated as a guy. Yeah, and now it's Japan is so weird about their androgyny. At least with Naruto, they were open when they in the first episode rule sixty three the main male character, and they just do that as a joke. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Uh, there could be something in an Isekai series where it's about a male main character who gets reincarnated as a woman. Yeah. Well, like, actually, like, like, like Tanya, wait, like Tanya uh, is that kind of thing, but it hasn't really done anything with that because she is a child. Yeah, it, it, it's, yes, as a child, the gender thing is not really a major issue yet. And also, based on what we saw of the character before they became Tanya, I'm not entirely sure that character really believes in the concept of sex. Oh fuck like, no! That's, that's what you have to touch another person. Ugh. Yeah, he laid <laughs> off. Yeah, he laid off his sexual um, desires fairly early on in his life. Yeah, there could have, there could I'm, something just to, I'm just trying to imagine Tanya growing up and trying to have sex with the man. He's like, oh, oh, oh no, oh, 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 harder, yes, oh, please, stop, no, no, oh, not, not even, not even oh. that. Like the guy <laughs> fucking whips out his dick and she fucking cuts it off because she thinks it's a weapon. Yeah, that's probably the more logical first response. <laughs> uh, yeah. There could have been anyway. something. There could have been anything about this, but no, it's just another fucking isekai bullshit. Yep. Anyway, Eric Exterminator. I was wondering if you were going to read this. You seemed excited when I talked about it. Which is Isekai, but it's Isekai that is interesting. Yep. So, for those who didn't hear Bertie talk about it, um, it's about a guy who dies, goes to a fantasy world where there's like magic and leveling up and stuff, and he becomes a pest exterminator. Because that was his job in his previous life, and he has no aptitude for swords or anything. That's kind of amazing. It's just, you don't need to do much. You know, like for 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 a genre that exists in such fucking for the insane amount of isekai stories, you don't need to do much to get somebody like me interested in it. Hell, you don't need to do something to get most people interested in isekai shit. Just do something that is different. And this is different. Like, this guy, he comes over, and he is not the most powerful being in the world. He is not fucking super handsome. He is just an average dude in an average job who is who is only able, like, yes, does get stupidly powerful, but only gets stupidly powerful by doing his fucking job. Which is real fucking dumb. He just, every day, he, he essentially grinds out. He grinds to level 35 by killing nothing but rats by just doing his job. It's. I really like that. I just really like how simple that is. Yeah, and no, I, I really want to see where it goes time. from here. I really want to see him like try to use his exterminator knowledge to try to feed to try to feed a fucking demon lord. Yeah, just say I got I all mean, these poisonous, was... I got all these poisonous plants and baked it into a pie. Here you go, and he just comes back two yeah. days later wearing a mask. Yeah, there was there's some weird superfluous side stuff that's kind of odd, like the the old elf that looks young again at the end of the first chapter for some reason. I yeah, who's super into it. him, apparently. Yeah. But again, there's only one chapter out of this point, so... Yeah. We'll see where basically. it goes. Yeah. According to the people translating it, chapter two is currently in typesetting. No. But, yeah, I'm curious. I'm, the first chapter left enough of a 
a good impression on me that I'd like to keep reading a little bit more of it. Yeah. Uh, final thing. I read everything that has currently been released of Seraph of the End. Oh, right. The series with vampires and demons in the apocalypse. Right. Yep. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it'll be, it would get a lot of respect points for me if it just fucking gave up the ghost and had the series be about the main like romantic relationship between our two main male leads because it's there. Yeah, but this is a, this is a shonen series. They won't do that. As yeah, but it's, but, it's a shonen, but it's a shonen series in a post Yuri world with the two characters looking kind of like the two, like kind of like kind of looking like Yuri. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that assessment. I'm just. It, 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 I the only thing I care about is the relationship. If I if I'm still reading that, the only thing I care about is the relationship between those two characters. I don't give a shit about anything else. Oh no, everything else in that kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> so story for those that don't know, uh, it is about in this world. Uh, four years ago or eight years ago, I think. Um, every person over the age of thirteen died, and then the vampires came. And everybody who was left alive began being treated as cattle and livestock to be eaten by the vampires. Our main character, you, uh, one night escapes the vampires with the help of his friend Mika, as well as all of their other kids from the orphanage who, they're a family. I'm glad that. he doesn't call, I'm glad they didn't do the, the weird shortening thing that a lot of male friends do where you started calling him me Kun. Cause I've seen that too often. Then it'd be you talking to me just yeah, over no. and over again. Yeah, no, it just, I would just, get really just this weird That'd fucking loop. Stupid. <laughs> but no, it is you talking to Mika and yeah, as they're escaping uh, Mika and the rest of the kids from the orphanage, all horribly die. But you may just to escape and gets found and taken in by a, by a member of the Japanese Imperial demon army. A name that inspires nothing but confidence. And then yeah, the series is about uh, you trained to kill, go, trained to go kill vampires and Mika being turned into a vampire and trying to go to save you as things just get more and more convoluted in the way that horrible fucking plans are being sprung off one by one as demons try to fucking possess people for different fucking means and we get more and more into the fucking politics of vampires. Things get kind of weird in this in the series. Yeah, the mythology is super fucking complicated, and I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, it's especially complicated when there are characters in this, like livestock characters, who look like they're like in their thirties, because that is kind of impossible. Because, again, everybody who was over the age of 13 died. And it's been eight years. So the oldest any person on this fucking, se- on this fucking planet who isn't a vampire could be is 26. Yeah. And, of course, like most vampire series now, uh, the main vampire is a lolly girl named Tepish. Yep. Because... Because, of course. Because Japan's... I guess Japan must have loved Dance and the Vampire Bund way more than we did. 
Yeah, Japan watched Let the Right One In really, really fucking um, identified Like, with... the rest of us were supposed to be creepy. We were supposed to fight it creepy. Japan was like, oh, this is awesome. It's like, oh, this is what we gotta do, and then just put everybody in a maid outfit. But yeah, kind of one of the few things that has kept me going on the series is you himself, because you is a very straightforward character. Yeah, he's... If he wasn't so violent, he'd be pretty much borderline stoic. <laughs> no, like no, not even stoic. He is—he's an idiot. He is a fucking dumbass idiot who doesn't understand about like acceptable losses in war or anything like that. He is just full of fucking optimism and everything. And once he sees you as family, he will never not say the word family. Like I'm pretty sure if you took every single fucking like. If, if you like transposed all of this fucking manga into just text and just like control F for family, you get fucking like 80,000 results because that word is said more than fucking anything else in this goddamn series. Even the characters names. Like before you is allowed to go join a vampire extermination squad. He needs to find friends. Then he considers those friends family. And then his companion officer says, Hey, this is a family. And then he betrays that family. And then he finds out Mika's alive. So he turns out he has other family. And then that family is attached to other family and family and family. So he's Vin Diesel. Basically, yeah. <laughs> if Vin Diesel was a plucky Japanese boy. Don, yeah, he, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be you, Mika and the rest of the dudes fucking pulling off heists by stealing vampire cars. I'm not going to lie, I would totally watch that. Yeah, there for the end, it's all right. Art's yeah, good. Fine. Art's good, has some decent sense of humor. Uh, it takes itself seriously when it needs to, but manages to like yeah. keep itself fairly Actually, um, the only other character I kind of like is um, the purple-haired girl with the sword. I kind of like her sense of humor. Uh, I do not watch the anime, uh, so I don't know who's purple. Okay. Um, the one with the really sullen, sardonic sense of humor with like the straight hair and the one the one that's following the you around the most when he's first becoming an uh one of the exorcists with the demon sword oh uh, i can't remember her name but neither can i but she's she's the only one whose personality sticks out to me at all aside from you and mika you and mika yeah and again, I, I really want it to go that way. I want this writer, I want this artist, I want this fucking mangaka to have the cojones to actually just do it. Because that's how this is written. Like fucking uh, Mika and you talk to each other like they are in love with each other. They behave like they're in love with each other. Like fucking you is kind of, you is buddies with one of the guys in the squad, Yoichi, and there was a point in the manga where the two of them were like standing close to they're talking, and then Mika just fucking walked in and pushed Yoichi, Yoichi aside so he wasn't that close to you anymore. It's treated, they, they, are, they are written and they act like they are a couple. Just bite the bullet and say, yeah, they're fucking. I mean, vampires are basically sex made a person. That's one of the big things about vampires is that they are just sex. So having one vampire who's fuck so having a vampire whose main obsession is this person. It's basically saying, yeah, they fucking. Yeah. 
But it's Japan, so that's probably not going to fucking happen. No, the, like, well, it, I mean, if this was a actual Yaoi series, then it would. But the way this series is played out, it's just it's a shonen series with some uh, some uh, very obvious gay undertones. Some yeah, it's a very much pandering to the Yuri cra- to the Yaoi crowd. Maybe to broaden its audience. I don't know. I, I think just, it, it, this doesn't feel like Fujoshi bait, really. Like there's never there's never been a bit of like these two characters just fucking like going at it with their shirts off like there are in like fucking other things like free. This is treated like a real relationship almost. Yeah, but like I get the impression that it the writer wants to make it more of the focus, but he's stuck in a genre where he can't just make that the whole focus. Yeah. Like maybe maybe early on he didn't intend it to be the entire focus, but like his mythology is so fucked at this point, it's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, well, we're only sixty chapters in, so hopefully by the time he ends this thing, Japan will have been a bit. Japan will be a bit more open about gay people being a thing. Yeah, then we can have that, and then everybody can, and then all the fucking fan artists on Tumblr can just fucking ejaculate or sploosh themselves into fucking idiocy. Anyway, that's all I got. Finally, <laughs> we've, anyway. we've been going a while, <laughs> and because of this, because of me, the show is two hours now, motherfucker. Yeah. Anyway, well, it's harder. It's harder for me to break this show. Yeah. So, anywho, um, that's what we're in then. On to news. Not got much news. Uh, so a manga that's about drinking at home is going to be getting anime. fascinating yeah it's called takunomi and it's about a 20 year old woman named michiru who after work spends her time at home drinking with her roommates the promo art is her sitting on a couch with a fucking pint of beer okay so hey that's a fucking idea for a series you know, there was this other manga I remember seeing the adverts for, but I wasn't sure how I felt about the concept because it was this, it was this Japanese woman who had a bad day at work, got super drunk with other friends and ranted about a whole bunch of stuff. And she, of course, assumed this was like in the private confidence of friendship. Later learned her friend taped the whole thing and sent it to the radio and had it broadcast. And when she tried and somehow in the process of trying to complain and get the tape removed from the radio station. She ended up being a DJ for shock jockey for it. <laughs> That's one way to get a job. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Uh, so this week, uh, Gosho Aoyama's manga detective Conan will be reaching its 1000th chapter. <sighs> okay. I don't care. It's a landmark, and it's a fairly big series. Yeah, it, I know it is, and it's really popular. I know some people still like it, but I, Detective Conan is the very example of the story doesn't matter at this point. You're <laughs> in this for the day-to-day stuff, so it's, it's, yeah. it's just sort of, you're like, hey, what's Conan up to? <laughs> yeah. Also, it, uh, this manga will be the first title in the 58-year run of, uh, Shog- of um, Shogakukun's a weekly sh- weekly shonen Sunday magazine to reach a thousand chapters. Sweet. 
Yep, it'll be opening with colored pages, which is the first time for the, which will be the first time in three years the manga has opened with colored pages. Considering that this writer has produced an almost without fail chapter a week for what must be 20, 30 years by this point, that's not surprising. Yeah. Anywho, final piece of news. And an announcement that surprised absolutely nobody. Uh, Atlas has announced that there is officially going to be a Persona 5 anime. What? You mean that Persona 5, which is actually, might actually be an even bigger hit than their last big hit, will also have an anime since Persona 4's anime was also a big hit? I know. Shocking, isn't it? Also, another thing, Persona 5's getting a dancing game. Two. No, the, I was about to say 2, but it's... No, I'm sorry. Persona 3 is also getting a dancing game. Yeah, and I'm getting both of them. Because I really enjoy Persona 4 dancing all night. I might have to play that at some point. I I, I love the music of Persona 4. I just I'm, I have trouble with rhythm games. Do you own a Vita? No. Then good fucking luck playing the Persona 4 one. No. Persona 4 Dancing All Night is only available on Vita. Well, Persona 5 and 3 will be available on Vita and PS4. Do you feel like Sony fucked over the Vita? Oh, 100%. Because it seemed like it could have been an actually good thing, but they just kind of abandoned it. Oh yeah, like P- oh yeah, like fucking PS2 quality games on a fucking handheld. That was that would be fucking game changing. But nope, they were just like, hey, so like, fuck you. This thing costs eight billion dollars to develop for it, and we never fucking market your game. So eat a dick, developers. Anyway, uh, yeah. So the series is set to premiere in 2018, with the anime itself being handled by A1 Pictures. Cool. They're a quality group. They even make bad anime look good. Yep. Can't wait for the English dub because that's the only way I'm watching that fucking show. Yeah, I, I, I have to. I have to actually play some more Persona Five so I can actually identify the voices for when the anime comes out. Because Dude, it is so good. What the game? The voice acting, everything. The game is fucking amazing. I love it. It is on par with Persona 4 for me, and Persona 4 is the standard by which I judged all JRPGs. Okay, don't get me wrong. I really love Persona 4. It's just, from the intro, as much as I love the music of the Persona series just as a whole, it's a weird intro, so I had a little trouble getting started. Oh yeah, that Persona 5 intro was actually directed by the uh, person who made Yuri on Ice. Of course it was. (laughs) What is that person's obsession with skating? <laughs> Who in the fuck knows? Anyway, that's great for this week. Thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the DestorProds.com Anime Manga Podcast. Hopefully Trey will be able to stay here for the entire show next week. Hopefully I'm not a fucking idiot and don't schedule this until don't schedule this at the last 30 minutes before we record it. In between now and, th- and that, though, we'll be having our regular round of bullshit uh, I am going to be doing my best to get things actually released in a way that I'll be able to get back to the schedule that I'm supposed to be keeping because as it is, I've been releasing pre- basically everything a week late. Anyway, until then, I'm dead. Dom Birdie. And for Trey, we'll see you guys next time.